just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Don't forget, tonight at 6 p.m., the Summer Bloke are restocked. That's right, Summer Bloke singlets, the Summer Bloke shirts, white, uh, and uh, a coal, a coal colour. I'm not sure what the name of that colour. And obviously the singlet, plus we've got a brand new singlet colour as well. That is 6 p.m. tonight, and it is 50% off, guys. I didn't want people that missed out initially to have to pay full price when everyone else paid 50% off for the Summer Bloke t-shirts and singlets. That's 6 p.m. tonight. Make sure to be there, plus... 50% off everything, it is ending this week. It is ending this week. So make sure if you want to grab something, grab something this week because 50% off everything is done this week and we are not bringing it back for a very long time, if ever. We have no plans at this stage, but um, we won't be bringing it back for at least another year, at least another year. Uh, so be there 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, also, don't forget to grab a case of Bloke Beer. Bloke Lager on special currently at all IGA liquor stores in New South Wales. Uh, so... It's the beer of Australian sport, guys. You know that. Guru, how you going, brother? Good, mate. You're too generous for your own good. Mate, I keep telling myself that. I keep telling myself that. But it is what it is. I'm just a good bloke. Your own worst enemy. Yeah, really am. Really am. Sometimes you just... It's like when you go into a, an interview, a job interview, and you're like, sometimes... What's your negatives? And you say, sometimes I work too hard. Sometimes I'm too honest. Instead of saying, I'm actually lazy and I'm just here for the check. Uh, well, speaking of good oh. blokes as well, mate, I've got a merch drop on Wednesday. 6 oh, as shit. Well, oh. So rugbyleagueguru.com.au. Grab yourself a hat. Timmy's got one there. Okay. It'll suck filler for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> Rugby league guru hats. You can't get there. Hey, they are hard to find. So if you want to get them, be there and be ready. And also limited amount. Limited amount, yeah. And the so other, the other ones, didn't they go like in... About two minutes or so. Two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes, eh? You love the guru himself. <laughs> I like that guru. I like that. You've really you're coming to your own the last couple. I of weeks. I love the off season. Yeah, you're coming to your own, <laughs> Timmy, mate. You're gonna back that up or what? I'm good, mate. But I was just a bit surprised. Guru, uh, guru merch normally empty sacks, not fills them up. Fucking hell, the boys are on fire tonight. Hammy, give me something. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> no hat for me. What's going on? A little lump of coal for Hammy this Christmas. There you go. Oh. oh. Well, you took his seat and now you're taking yeah, his hat. This is, it's getting bad. I better keep the sponsors happy, but I'll put that on after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, Hammy, how was your weekend, mate? Really good, really good. Little little week down in Melbourne there, which was which was great. But, uh, you know, missed you guys. Good to be back. Um, thanks for your help, NRL Grid, last week. Kane Manahira. And shout out to him if he's listening. Um, He'd be listening. What a, uh, what a lifeline that was. <laughs> Phone a beak down at the pub there. Mate, look, I'm actually a bit hurt because... Um, there's been a bit of infidelity, boys. A bit of infidelity because the man sitting next to me, he wasn't here last week. We can all remember that, correct? Yep. Great chat. Uh, and during the week, <laughs> during the week, uh, he was seen on another podcast, and he actually had the audacity to post it to his own social media, and that hurts my feelings. Can you explain? The whole situation. Now, you couldn't be on bloke podcast, but you yep. were cheating on another podcast. Well, I, I actually wasn't. Now, I really hope that podcast doesn't get published anywhere because uh, it <laughs> could be a bit hairy for a few people who are on it. Um, I was at a uh, launch party for Annotate Agency who helped us out at Sportsvet with some stuff down in, in uh, Melbourne. They had a new space. Yep. And as part of the party, they had a, um, like a podcast rolling the whole time. And anyone was encouraged to just go down, sit down, have a chat to someone. Okay. Uh, I mean, what could go wrong there? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, all it was was – and you, you know what? I'm happy to relive what I spoke about on that podcast. <laughs> with, with my manager, uh, Scotty Walker, we basically just rattled off your most niche Sheffield Shield play from each state. Uh, <laughs> 
and we were on for 45 minutes <laughs> yep. and four separate groups asked us if we were finished if we could get off so <laughs> if you want me to regurgitate that here i'm more than happy to <laughs> um, all right you let us know hey the listeners let us know do you believe his story covering up his infidelity or have we been cheated on that's that's let the let the punters decide yep i tell you what if you ever if i ever walked in and the wife you know said i'd been in been um been cheating yep and i come up with a sheffield shield story yep i reckon she'd believe <laughs> pretty good alibi it's a pretty bloody good alibi <laughs> i was just watching sheffield shield cricket and she'd be like no one watches that so shit oh speaking of cricket it's time to face of music brought to you by sports bet the big bash is around the corner time to get excited been waiting on this all year boys cannot wait hammy yeah speak to me let's do it um well just on face the music uh you know great that you guys kind of uh faced the music last week and, and maddie drove the bus really well but i had put it in my little uh notes here that uh, i re- my recommendation was that beak had to do a nudie run as he got zero points and couldn't help but notice no nudie running shoe. Um, <laughs> just because I'm away doesn't mean you get to completely uh, throw the segment away. So what's, what's doing there? Well, I think we actually come to the uh, conclusion that you were cooking the books Man. and you gave yourself half a point when you shouldn't have given yourself half a point. And we felt that that was against the spirit of Face of Music. So here we, we said that you actually lost. So maybe you need to do the next Piers camp over here with the spirit of face of music. <laughs> but I was just, I thought I deserved an extra point. For you, were the, you were the England of face of music going, I owe you one morally, spiritually, I'll give myself half a point. Well, I had the foresight to, uh, I mean, who could have said uh, a week earlier that Tanvir Sanger was going to play in that game? <laughs> and he played. And uh, and how? What a, what a spell of bowling that was. Anyway, look, I'm not going to let that derail this week's segment. But um, just moving forward, if I'm away, in the unlikely event I'm away, let's just, you know, Let's just not completely uh, throw it all throw it away. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to have a look at uh, the Big Bash. Obviously, kicks off on Thursday. I know you're very excited, Kempi. This is cannot wait. In more ways than one, this is your Christmas, really. Uh, the Big Bash season. So, all, what I want to get from you guys this week is your tournament winner. Mm-hmm. Which team you think is going to win? I want to get your top run scorer for the tournament as well, and your top wicket taker. Um, so that's what I'm looking for there. Then we're also going to have a look at the first game uh, of the tournament, which is the Heat versus the Stars. I want your winner, your top run scorer, your top wicket taker as well. So, Mr. Cricket, you have the new ball here. Okay. Uh, which team do you think will be winning the Big Bash this year? Look, it's been the AFLW Brizzy Girls got up. Yep. So I think there's something in the water there. I think that they've redeemed the state. Yep. Because although most of our teams made grand finals, which shows we are the better state in sport, we didn't win it. Yep. And we, we're here to win things. Yep. So I think Brisbane win. Brisbane Heat at $8. You're going with the Brisbane Heat to win yep. this year. Fairy tale stuff. Like it. Uh, what about your top tournament run scorer? Look, this is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, it's, a, it's a left field answer. Mm-hmm. Maxwell. Maxwell. <laughs> 15 bucks. Not bad. A little yeah, bit of value there. Yeah, a bit of value there. Now, Heaps uh, of value, actually, if you ask me. What about yeah? What about your bowling? You've always said bowling's the most important bowling part is, of T20 cricket. It, it really is. Yeah. It really is. You've got to take wickets. You do. You've got to take wickets. You can hit them all day, but if you don't take wickets, what are you going to do? You've always said that. <laughs> I've always Get that said on a shirt. That. Yeah. Take wickets. <laughs> uh, and who do, who do you think there? Oh, uh, look, this is going to surprise a lot of people with Zampa. Zampa. $19. Yeah. Now, he's really divided the town. I could feel it in the air down there in Melbourne last week. He's divided the town. He's gone from the Stars to the Renegades. Uh, $19 at his new Mate, team. It's been all over my news feed, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Guru, what about yourself? Uh, mate, I was having a look at the Big Bash winner, and I actually saw the boys' notes before they've all gone for Perth. I'm a bit of a value guy. Mm. I'm going to go for the Melbourne Renegades. 
the hell are you guys? I'm expecting the boys to follow suit and take my bets as they always do. Uh, seven bucks. Renegades for me, seven dollars. Thank you for coming. What you like right? about him, Guru? Oh. Good cricket side. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Jesus, my, turning into cowards in the off season. Oh, <laughs> my uh, run scorer. Yep. I'm going to go for Matty Short. Yep. Twelve bucks. Yep. You've taken and mine as well, so that's good. Good. And Wicket, I'm going to go for Paddy Dooley. That was Don't my like favourite name on the list. Paddy Dooley. <laughs> Don't like it, bad. That's the bad the old uh, frog in a blender, Paddy Dooley, 15 bucks there. Very interesting bowling action for the Hurricanes. <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Timmy? Uh, yeah, look, Guru's convinced me. I'm going to go to the Renegades. Oh, <laughs> fucking shock me. Who would have thought I think they won it once before, but they're stacked. Got Joey Clark over, Zamper over, Quinton de Kock gone for the first two games, but he comes in and plays the majority of the tournament. Uh, the Renegades are stacked. I reckon they'll win it. I reckon... Disagree, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Beak's gone against me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, top run scorer of the tournament, Joe Clark, the Englishman. Knows conditions well. I only will play just about every game, so... 26 bucks for Clarky. That's great value. So is actually maxi at 15, to be fair. I think it goes right there. But yeah, Joe great Clark, value there. Great value. top wicket taker, Tanvir Sanger, future Australian test spinner, hopefully. Absolutely agree. Uh, I've got with Tanvir. Copying me, yeah. You're, you're on Tanvi. Well, I had him the other week. Uh, 21, <laughs> 21 bucks. Great 21 odds. bucks. Great yep. odds. Matty? Yeah, Guru has just stolen us, what we said in the green room. I'm, me and Timmy were always going Renegades, so I'll stick with Renegades. I think they're going to win. I'll go Philippe. Yep. Philippe for, for, for run score for sixes. 15 and bucks. I think for wicket taker, I don't know if we'll get the most, like I'm, not, I'm only picking this guy because like I love him so much. Yep. Riley Meredith from yep. Hobart. Yeah, 15 bucks. Oh, that's a couple of fifteen is there, Matty? He, yeah, I like Riley Meredith. He's he's an absolute beast. So yeah, yep, yep. Happy with that. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with uh, the Scorchers looking at a three peat here. We're looking at the Penrith Panthers at the Big Bash here. Yeah. Three dollars seventy five. No, I reckon you might call me a coward, but I just think they've got the ingredients there to do it again. No, I don't reckon they've got it in them to go. You don't reckon? No, no, no. They're just well, not the same team as last year. Proof of being the pudding, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now you've t my top run scores. I had Matt Short. I had Maxi. They've both been taken. Yeah. I'm going to give you one with a bit of value here. Okay. Sixty seven dollars. Jake Fraser McGurk. Whacking him at the moment. We well, spoke about, I know you okay. were very impressed with his knock at Karen Rolton Oval the other week. Absolutely. We spoke about that at length on the show. <laughs> 67 bucks for him. <laughs> Top wicket taker for me. Um, a bit of a toss-up here, but I'm going to go another off. Uh, Ruffy, Spencer Johnson for the Brisbane Heat. One of your boys, Kempi. 23 bucks. He's in good form. Big left armour. Yep. I like, like like the look of Spencer Johnson. Bit so. A bit of an injury concern there, mate. Might not, might not play early stages. But nah, he's, made the, he's made of the tough stuff. That's that's why I'd be probably having a little two bowler play there at Michael Nisa as well. Um, 19 bucks, <laughs> 17 bucks. Also missing the first two games, mate. Yeah, that's all right. I come over with wet sails. So <laughs> right. uh, first game, obviously uh, your boys in action, Kempi. Uh, the, the Heat up against the Stars on Thursday evening. Uh, so keen to get a bit of an understanding of your... Um, who wins that game? Your top wicket taker, your top run scorer. Heat in this one, dollar seventy three favourites. The stars two dollars twelve. Um, heat thirteen plus. Yep. Um, <laughs> Maxwell. Maxwell to top. Yeah, okay. Three three thirty five for the stars. Fucking idiot. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you've got yeah. Well, Spencer John, Mitchell Swepson. Well, he, he, he was talking up uh, Xavier Bartlett before the show came. You were actually, you were quite hot on Xavier Bartlett. Yeah, in the green look, room. I was. You know, sometimes you get caught up in the the emotion of cricket, mm. and you get caught <laughs> up in players. But look, you know what? I'll let you guys go. Your uh, wicket takers. Yep. And then I'll come back to you. Okay. 
Can't the way he did Maxwell was like the Atlanta Falcons. Fucking <laughs> 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 mad. Uh, what do you need from me? I just need you, your winner, top run, top wicket. I'll take the stars in an upset. Yep. Uh, I will take Stoinis. I was going to go him. 460. I was going to go Stoinis. <laughs> but you went Maxi. Did you say Maxwell? No. No, you didn't. No, I was going to go Stoinis. Yeah. I was going to go Stoinis, but... Do you I'll want Stoinis? I'll take Maxwell. No, no, I'll take Maxwell. Okay, okay. okay. I thought you were about You to sure? Do. Yeah. Uh, and a wicket taker? Yeah. Um, I'll take... Has Bartlett been taken? He hasn't. Still on the table at four Thank bucks. Thank you. Take yep. him. You're welcome. Stars to win. Yep. Sammy Harper, top run scorer. I had Sammy Harper in good form at yeah. the moment. And... Queensland rhetoric. Bowling... I didn't mind your boy Spencer Johnson, but in a bit of doubt. So I'm going to go with the veteran, Nathan coulter -Nile. Okay. He's under a permanent injury cloud, isn't he? He's always injured, yeah. You guys all went to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. what do you think they're going to win? Except Kempi. Yeah. They won't win. Because I know cricket. They won't, they won't get close. Brisbane to win. Yep. Spencer Johnson wickets. Yep. Is Munro playing? Yeah, he's playing. Yeah. Four bucks. Love him. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. I was going to get Spencer Johnson for wickets, by the way. You yeah. You can yeah. have him. Yeah, I'll yeah, pop yeah, it in. Go. You've copied my homework, but that's okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go I'll go the Stars uh, I think they're due For a win uh, Sammy Harper Having not played in 10 months and <laughs> Yeah, yeah probably hard due. They finished last Last year I just think You know The only way is up for them uh, Then I'm going to go With Sammy Harper as well And I'm going to go Spencer Johnson There's a bit of a crossover But uh, that's that's where I'm Looking for this one Well that's People know cricket So yeah. sometimes they're going to Say the same thing When they know cricket Bit of osmosis It's like, it's like picking Cleary for Yep yeah, you know, Clive Churchill's. If you know, sometimes when it's staring you in the face, you've yeah. just got to put it in. it in. It's gonna be a quick segment next week if uh, Spencer Johnson doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. It really will. Uh, so there we go. That's the first game. Can't wait. Thursday night. Boom. The Lock big it bash. In. It is here. Uh, feel the summer thrill. Yeah, feel it. Do you feel the I summer can thrill? Feel it. I'm feeling it. What about you, Guru? Feeling it. Oh, yeah. Timmy? Yeah. Yeah, feeling uh, it. So the Big Bash, obviously, <laughs> the Big Bash kicking off this Thursday. Uh, immerse yourself in the ultimate summer experience with the KFC Big Bash. Uh, for those in Queensland, opening night has Brisbane Heat hosting Melbourne Stars at the Gabba. For those in New South Wales, the Sixers will host the Melbourne Renegades at the SCG on Friday night with DJ Tiger Lily performing at the Grand. Not the, the Ground. Yeah, good. Gurus, mate. Mate, last time we saw DJ Tiger, she bumped us at uh, Bankwest Stadium. We were meant to be halftime entertainment. We got moved to pregame. Oh, um, wow. Hurts. I don't know if they need DJ Tiger. I would have thought the draw card of Daniel Hughes and Hayden Kerr would have been enough <laughs> to get you down there. But um, if you need Tiger Lily, sure. Get yourself hey, down there. Tiger, Tiger Lily's going to make the whole thing better. South Sydney girl. Is she? Yep. She goes, so Rabbit, I so she's an arch enemy of yours. <laughs> yes, she is. That's yeah. why she bumped you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I hear there's a bit of a uh, bit of talk that the BB I want to get you at, at the innings change over under the high ball, mate, Kempy. Um, See how you go under the high ball. Yeah, he's got me sunk or baby safe. Take Maddie with you. Bank. You have a great night. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and we haven't spoken about it since. But absolutely disgraceful performance from Maddie. Do we uh, do, do we line that up for the Big Bash season? Um, get. <clears throat> I was going to say get revenge on Tom and Eddie, go two up on Tom and Eddie and get the, the cricket highball challenge. Because they yeah. claim to be cricketers, don't they? Yeah. Get Maddie a net out there, it'll be good. Maddie's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's not Didn't coming. catch a cold all winter, Maddie. Oh. Elbows in, Maddie. Jeez Louise. Um, more blockbusters include Sydney Smash on December 30th with the Thunder hosting the Sixers. Both of those teams actually play on New Year's Day too, with Hobart playing the Thunder and Brisbane Heat hosting the Sixers. There are so many great games to look forward to this summer in the Big Bash. It's explosive cricket action with thrilling entertainment. 
So make sure I'll be watching the Big Bash this year. I actually will be watching the Big Bash. I've been watching more cricket. I actually have been watching more cricket. I've noticed, mate. It's been very sharp, the analysis. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> I mean, first multi, absolutely nailed it. Yep. Whatever is what it is. Uh, and also, let's face the music. Let's face the music. Done and dusted. It's back, baby. How good. How if, good. If there's a nudie run next week, I want to see it followed through with. I'll wow. be here to enforce it, so. Yeah, like very, very dictator-ish in the off-season. Can you imagine the, imagine the engagements on a nudie run clip going up? <laughs> Imagine the engagement. You better put the feet up for the rest of the year, can't be. Yeah, look. I don't Depends think it would it was, be a I think. good engagement. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. You just got to look at the raw data sometimes, can't you? <laughs> don't get, get too caught up in it. Oh. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into it. Cricket chat. Some huge, uh, I guess, I wouldn't say controversy, but uh, Mitchell Johnson, <coughs> he has come out absolutely swinging on Warner and George Bailey. Uh, George Bailey is obviously a selector. Um, anyway, he, Mitchell Johnson came out and said, as we prepare for Warner's farewell series, can somebody please tell me why? Why a struggling test opener gets to nominate his own retirement date and why a player at the centre of one of the biggest scandals in Australian cricket history warrants a hero's send-off. Yes, he has a decent overall record and some say is one of, the, one of our greatest opening bats. Some say. <laughs> I like that little, yes, yeah, some say, like as if, not I don't, me, I don't, yeah, not me though. <laughs> um, uh, but his past three years in test cricket have been ordinary with a batting average closer to what a tail ender would be happy with. Whack. Wow. Tonked his cherry, all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Warner certainly isn't Australia's test captain and never deserved to be for that matter. In fact, he ends his career under a lifetime leadership ban. And then he said on George Bailey, the handling of Warner in recent years who played with Bailey in all three forms raises the questions of whether Bailey was simply too quickly out of playing and into the job and too close to some of the players. I also wonder what the role of head selector is these days. It seems to have moved to be a part of the inner sanctum rather than standing aside from it. There's now throwdowns for the players, golfing together and celebrating wins to all hours. Um, yeah, well, there's a, there's a, I guess a more, obviously you can go and check out the full story, but it's basically, he's just going hard at David Warner, basically saying that he shouldn't be, um, <coughs> basically shouldn't be selected. Mm. Uh, and also bringing up uh, that he's never really owned the ball tampering scandal. Uh, but anyway, guys, what are your thoughts on uh, those comments? Won't be exchanging Christmas cards, that's for sure. <coughs> Didn't yeah. miss. Did not miss. Timmy, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, there's a lot, lot to unpack, isn't there? Yeah. I think the first thing, that just the way he's come out and done it is so outlandish against former teammates and everything that's going on. And, you know, the pot shots at George Bailey, renowned as one of the best blokes in Australian cricket, mm. were also like the World Test champion, Champions, the ODI World Champions. We retained the Ashes over in England. So, you know, you're having a pot shot at the selectors. Well, they obviously haven't done much wrong the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, you know, the shots at David Warner. Look, I don't completely disagree with, you know, the chat about him being sort of the incumbent test opener and why is his spot not under question and choosing his own retirement date. I think like 2019, or he triple-tunned against Packies in 2019-20 and he's averaged about 28 opening the bat since then for Australia. So all fair comments, but the way he's come across and the way he's done it, just he's gone hard, hasn't he? Well, what I'm not getting in... I'm I've got not a good insight into how accurate it is of like, you know, who would replace him, as in who would replace Warner. Is that got to be brought into the conversation of it's not necessarily how good Warner is, but 
is there someone really screaming out that should have that spot, considering how, you know, Warner's career? But I just think that bringing up something that happened, what, six years ago? Five, six years yeah. ago? Yeah, <clears throat> 2018. Absolutely bizarre. Like, that, that is where it goes from, in my opinion, a, an opinion to a hit piece. Because what you're doing is you're taking something that has nothing to do with yeah. his selection to try and poison the water to make your point come across stronger, which is a really gross tactic in my opinion. If you've got a strong opinion, have that opinion. Don't start bringing in irrelevant stuff to make your opinion stronger. That's when you know it's not actually just about the fact that he feels that Warner shouldn't be selected. There's clearly bad blood there. Yeah, like there's clearly bad blood there. And you're spot on, Kim, like why bring that up? But at the same time, you look back at the sandpaper gate, it was what, five, six years ago now, and we spoke at it sort of length before the show, but there have been countless times where players and, and nations have been involved in ball tampering scandals. The sandpaper gate was quite a bad one, but it's been happening for years. Lollipops, bloody, was it Shahid Afridi chomping the ball to bits? And the ICC came down on not just Warner and Smith and, and all these, like, pretty mildly, nothing too bad. Mm. And Australia came out and banned Smith, Bancroft and Warner for a year. Mm. We out a year of their test career as a result of it. They have been punished. They've done their time. They screwed up. They admit that. <clears throat> like, let it go. Just, I just think it's bizarre to just throw that in there. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, remember the really stupid thing that happened five, <laughs> six years ago? This is why David Warner shouldn't get selected or this is why he's not a leader. It's like, mate, he wouldn't <laughs> be in the team as long as he was as a senior player if he wasn't a good player and a leader. Maybe he's been out of form for a while, but is anyone screaming to take that spot? Probably the person that is is probably Cameron Bancroft, who Ironically. was his little deputy in the uh, sandpaper scenario. So that doesn't that just uh, prove Mitchell Johnson's kind of comments almost weightless? Because outside of Bancroft, yep. if there's no one else, yep. then he should be selected if yep. no one else is screaming. Yeah, yeah. There's a handful of others that are sniffing around, but he's probably the, the most logical one, they've Bancroft. Got a, they've got the PM's 11 game uh, <coughs> down at Martin Oval against the Packies. is starting in a couple of days' time, and there's Bancroft, Harris, Renshaw, all these blokes in contention. But what you're saying is right, Kempi. It's none of those players are knocking the door. They're getting some shield run, sure, but they've all also had chances in the Australian Test setup and have gone okay at best. But, like, so, for example, Bancroft, he was a part of it. So by... Yeah. Mitchell Johnson's logic, yep. he shouldn't get selected because he's using that sandpaper gate against Warner. Yep. So he should say, well, Bancroft should never wear the Australian jersey either. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he, he does talk a little bit about it. Like, he was the leader. He kind of made them do it in his little attack that he did. So, oh, so it's it's uh, so a grown man, Yep. It's he's going to obfuscate for him and say, oh, yeah, he was just following orders, yep. but Warner is, is the bad guy. It's like, come on, they're equally responsible. Yeah, yeah. Gone, Mate, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, way that he brought the message across, Johnson. Yep. But it's an interesting point he raises around the victory lap sort of thing, because if this was an Ashes series or, you know, we were playing India or a really big high-stakes series, maybe you go, let's not rock the boat. We'll go to the guys that we know mm. can do the job. But because it's two weaker sides coming out this summer, mm. <clears throat> great opportunity to blood some new guys, get them to feel comfortable, get them in there. I mean... Yeah, it's an interesting one. I had a little, like, rugby league analogy. Like, if James Tedesco came out now and said, next year will be my last Origin <coughs> series, how would the rugby league media react to that? Like, obviously, he hasn't had a big scandal or anything, but they'd probably go, you what? You don't get to say when you finish up. Like, you're either in form and you get picked or or you don't. So this is, like, maybe a little bit similar in that regard for Warner, mm. you know, choosing when he goes, basically. He'll leave halfway through the summer. There'll still be two tests against the West Indies, uh, which but will be... Could you argue that... I mean, I know he didn't come out and say it, but could you argue that Teddy got selected in for Australia for that kind of la like last hurrah? 
yeah. of loyalty. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I, I do think it is a bit strange coming out and going, I'm going to retire. That's going to be my last series because yep. it puts obviously extra pressure. But but the thing that, again, <clears throat> if he said, if he's, he said it publicly, obviously, mm-hmm. but he would have said it internally anyway. So the selectors still would have had that pressure regardless. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, you pro- potentially. I just kind of think like, yeah, Johnson's come out and had a go at him here. There haven't been too many others who have probably called him out for doing this. In, the rugby, le- in rugby league, can you imagine how many ex-players would have been up and about teeing off saying, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think uh, he, from that perspective, he's got a point. He's put it across a little bit too bombastically, but mm. that was interesting for me. The other one was on George Bailey, who I agree. One of the greatest blokes in Australian cricket of all time and a dead ringer for one of my good mates. Uh, shout out to Mac Lordenback if he's listening. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give Matty a photo to add in. Let us know in the comments. Uh, but it's an interesting one. Chairman of selectors in any sport, should they be playing golf with the team? Should they be having beers out with the – maybe they, maybe they should because, like, to your point, Timmy, they haven't done too much wrong, the selectors, over the last year. Well, that's got, what I was going to say. Got the mix right. Everything's yeah. going pretty well. But it does feel a little bit strange. Probably a bit of a – are we nitpicking though right now? Like we're – and I'm outside looking in. You guys yep. obviously know way more about it. But it's like we've been going extremely well. Yep. Just won the World Cup. Re- retained the Ashes. Before that, obviously, I know Lang was still involved, but beating when they come over here. Yep. Like everything's going really well. Yep. So why, why these seismic changes or, I guess, questions yep. when we're at the top of our – Nearly at the top of our game. Yeah. Well, essentially, at the t- well, definitely at the top of our game. We just won the World Cup. Yeah. Look, I don't think there needs to be too many seismic changes. Maybe that the way that George Bailey goes about it works. But um, what it feels like to me is we've got a bit of a – probably not the most engaging summer test cricket we've ever had. And maybe they've gone, Mitch, get out Give there and get us some headlines, something yeah, okay. before it all kicks off. Maybe that's what it sort of feels like to me. I don't know about you guys. If so, well done to Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's just like – it's yeah, it's tough because like former teammate <coughs> to put this pressure on Warner now, like he is going and now now it is the David like if Mitchell Johnson didn't want him to get attention for this being his victory, like last victory lap, it's going to be the last if he does get selected and everything, it's going to be the biggest last victory lap ever because he's going to be in the headlines yep. constantly. Interesting, and, and you raise a good point there, um, Hammy, with David Warner does. Like, it's the perfect summer because it is a softer summer of cricket mm. to blood, whoever is next to come in. And the three blokes mentioned before are all vying for that opening spot when Dave Warren does retire. But at the same time, because it is a softer summer where, in theory, you don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we should be winning pretty comfortably. Flat decks in Australia. Warner should go out with a bit of style and hopefully a few runs. A good way to farewell a bloke who's been such a stalwart of this team for over a decade. I'm a little torn on the best way to go about it. But as you said, there's also the two West Indies tests. Warner can play Sydney. You can tire after that. You get whoever stars throughout the, the summer up to that point. They can come in and open, get a few tests. If it was an India series or a South Africa or an Ashes, that's where it would be a bit more controversial. But look, he's done a lot for the game. A couple more tests, whatever. What, what, could, what would it say about um, team culture if he was dropped now? Wouldn't be good, I don't reckon. I think now that he's in for this test, unless there's an injury, um, he'll, he'll play through Dale Sydney. He'll get his little... And get his interesting to note, they, the, the, te- the squad they've named, it's for the, only for this test. They haven't sort of named a squad for the summer or anything, so mm. things can chop and change, but... If, if he, this whole retirement thing wasn't going about, uh, would there be this much chatter about him being dropped or would he have been selected, do you think? If he wasn't retiring already? Yeah. <clears throat> 
There'd probably be a bit of chatter around it, I reckon. I think there'd be a heap more chatter around it. Yeah. Because that's the point. They're like, well, he's not in form. It's a soft and, series. And they're going, does he deserve to be there? Now it's like, well, we do it on merit. The fact that he's been here for so long, we can give him his send-off. But there'd be a lot of pressure if he wasn't retiring. Yeah, okay. And yep. so... Who would replace him then? Bancroft? I think it would be Bancroft. Yeah. And Ricky Ponting gave him a big push the other day as well. When he talks, they usually listen, punter. Mm. So he seems like the most obvious one. They've, honestly, it, it's a, I think Bancroft's the front runner, but the, the PM's 11 game, I think it's after Wednesday, is it's a serious shootout. Like, mm. if any of those three players can come in and get runs, Cam Green's also playing in that interestingly, and that will be done well before the first test he's played. So obviously they've <coughs> selected the squad, but mm. there's a lot riding on that game. Yeah, I, look, it's just the way that it's, he's kind of gone about it. I just think that if he had of, if he had of uh, been a bit more, because it sounds like a really fair opinion to have, but he had a bit more, uh, less bringing in like this, this past stuff to kind of filler your opinion and almost bring a, as I said, more of a hit piece rather than opinion piece, um, could have gone about a better way. But outside looking in, as a legend of the game, it's a soft draw. We're already on top of the world. I say you give him his victory lap. Yeah. Because we're already – I know we have, a, we have an ageing um, – like some of the boys are a bit older that won't be going to the next World Cup, yep. correct? Yep. yep. So I understand the perspective of we've got to bring in – perspective of we've got to bring in young guys to blood them. But at the same time, like, we have created an environment, the Australian cricket team, where maybe we can afford to give him the victory lap and he kind of deserves it for everything he's done for the team. Yeah. And the other thing, like – He's so polarising David Warner and obviously there's, there's got to be some bad blood there with, with Mitchie Johnson, but what if it, were, it was a, a Mitch Stark or a you know Josh Hazelwood, someone in the past, Ricky Ponning or someone else who's been around the test team for a long time, if it was them doing it, it wasn't this polarising figure of David Warner who Mitch Johnson looks like he doesn't like him, mm. would there be controversy around it? Absolutely not. It's because some people out there don't like David Warner mm. and they're like, no, he doesn't deserve his victory lap, but... I don't know. He's, cho he's chosen a good one. I'm just looking here. He's, he's average against Pakistan, better than any other team, 83.5. So five tonnes, 450. He's a high score of 335, not out. So which, which nearly would have been his last test knock against – oh, he might have played him overseas since then. But yep. yeah, last test knock in Australia against Pakistan would have been that triple tonne, I reckon. Yep. So he's got, he'll probably enjoy his victory lap, I reckon. <laughs> it's, my, it's my hunch. <laughs> uh, i tell you what, it's got the people talking. Yep. It's got the people talking. Uh Okay, so you're back in if, – if he is – okay, should he be selected victory lap? I'd give him the series, yeah. Yes, Rue? for sure. Yeah, he can have it. He can have it? Yep. Matty, you just – you do? Yep. Okay. That's coming from an Indian cricket fan, don't forget. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hates, no, they love him over there, don't they? Don't they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let us know in the comments section. Would you – do you think the comments – let's take outside the ad homonyms of, of – uh, basically calling his character into question from five, six years ago. And just who would you select? Would you select Warner, give him the victory lap, or do you think that Australia need to be ruthless and go, nah, let's just build towards the future? Um, anything else, boys? Well, I was going to say, just on, on the team, you know, we've got the squad out. So first test squad, <laughs> Cummins, Boland, Carey, Green, Hazelwood, Head, Kawaja, Labuschagne, Lyon, Mitch Marsh, Lance Morris from <laughs> WA, Steve Smith, Mitch Stark, David Warner. Um, Probably the one question there, Timmy, is and, and boys, is the the all rounder spot. Mm. Which way do you see them going there? I've got an opinion, but I can hear what you what you reckon they're gonna do there. I think they'll go with Mitchie Marsh. Yep. I I think he offers more with the ball. I think he offers more with the bat. He'd been stunning stunning in the ashes. Um 
Cam Green, what threw a bit of a spanner in the works was Cam Green hitting 96 in the mm. shield during the week and he's sort of gone, all right, we know he can roll the arm over. I think Mitchie Marsh is a better wicket taker. I think he offers well more with the ball, if I'm being honest. Really? He's, yeah, I do. I 20 kilometres slower? Yeah, I think he's... I, I Statistically, I don't know if he takes more wickets, but Cam Green, very up and down. There aren't a lot of variations. He's quicker, obviously, but I prefer Mitch Marsh to the bowl. you probably get a few more overs out of Cam Green. Um He's got recent runs on the board, Mitchie Marsh. I'd be going with Marsh. Again, the PM's 11 game's a big one for Cam Green just to state his case. Where, where, does, where is Cam Green's career headed? Because wasn't it only a couple of years ago he was the, the golden child, yep. the next big thing? Yep. Kind of fell off a little bit form-wise? Yeah, he had a tough, sort of a bit of a tough year. He did make a ton in India, though, in, in a test match. Yeah. I think they're going to go with Cam Green, yeah. is my hunch. And just for what we were talking about before, like, this is a bit of a soft summer. Great opportunity to just every game you're getting into Cam Green is an investment in the future. And I, I think if this was an Ashes, I'd go with Mitch Marsh based on the year he's had. <coughs> Cam Green, just let him get into form, you know, take some poles, get some runs, particularly against the West Indies in, in the back half of it. Tonks and cherries. Tonks and cherries, exactly. <laughs> How old's Cam Green? 20 or Matty might be able to get 22, I reckon. Oh, okay. um, Will he fulfill. 24? 24. Do you think he'll fulfil the potential or the hype that was around him a couple of years ago? Do you think he's still on that trajectory? I think he will eventually. Okay. Yep. So I'd be getting those games into him now. But yeah, as I say, if it was Ashes right now or, or a series that really mattered right now, I'd probably go Mitch Marsh. Mm. Um, I, I get like it's a great opportunity to get test cricket into him this summer. Yep. Five really good tests for what will be an <clears throat> investment for the future. Yep. But I'm also here to win test cricket. And win games right now. So, what do you, I'm what, Mitch Marsh. So, we, we talk about a, a softer draw or whatever. What do you reckon, Paddy Cummins? What's a win for him out of this series as five a leader? Nil. Five nil. They, yeah, five they won't nil. want to lose a game. But as in, sorry, what's a win is in internally from a team's perspective, what do you reckon the leadership decisions by him need to be? You know, is it like if you're talking about league, like for example, when the Rabbitohs come back, I know they fell off a cliff, but when they come back and they played the Tigers and they completed a really high percent and they won like 20-0, it was such a good game because it was like, we know the Rabbitohs can score a lot of points, yep. but they had great defence, kept them to nil. No offence, sorry. Sorry yep. about that. Um, Too soon, mate. What do you reckon, Paddy Cummins, because we're expected to win, <laughs> yep. what, what does he need to work on as a leader and what does the squad need to work on? And that's a win for him. I think some of these guys that come in, when they get a crack, doing well. I think just so that there's a bit of clarity around like when the guys retire, these are the next guys to come in. So there'll be a bit of chopping and change. I reckon we'll see some of these guys in, like Lance Morris, probably get a game at some point, I reckon, through the summer. Um, and, yeah, whoever this next Warner fill-in, you know, or replacement yeah. is, those guys kind of doing the business, I think, is, is a win for... What's, uh, what's Lance Morris's story? Western Australian. Yep. Really, qu they reckon he's the quickest bowler in the Sheffield Shield. Probably, I, I had him a little lucky to get into the squad. 11 wickets so far for the um, Sheffield Shield. Probably hasn't been as dominant as some of, you know, look at guys like Chris Tremaine, 34 wickets for yeah. New South Wales so far. But he's been the next next one up for a little while. They like uh, the pace he gets the ball down at. Um, he went on a couple of tours with the boys to win. He didn't play, but um, he's the kind of the next guy there. They reckon like for like, he's the quickest with uh, Mitchell Stark. So if something happened to Stark, they'll probably bring in yeah, Lance looking Morris. Yeah, sort of next gen. And he's like rapid, like can hit 150 clicks. Yep. I, I'm like... I'm such a big Jai Richardson fan. Yep. I think he's a star. Came back from injury during the week in Shield and just bowled unbelievably. Yep. But, mate, the same story with these Aussie quicks. <clears throat> just injuries. Like, Jai Richo, poor bugger, is injured every second yeah. week. But big esports guy. Maybe he's getting a bit of chair rash he? from his esports game. Um, chair. Bad for the bit of carpal tunnel. Well, what game does he play? Uh, I don't I think I think, like, COD and stuff like that. Warzone. Really? Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't quote me on that, but big esports guy. Hammy. 
quoted big esports guy. Now don't I said, don't quote me. Oh, don't quote me. Don't, don't do your own research. But he's a big esports guy. Okay. I know and that he, much. The only the other guy I reckon is under a bit of pressure is uh, Alex Carey. Big summer for Alex yeah. Carey. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't come together, Josh Inglis. Get him in there. And then the other one is, Kemp, you mentioned sort of like what direction for, for Cummins in the Australian Test squad this summer. It's the question we've sort of spoken about now. Is it, do they look ahead to what will be the Ashes next summer? No, nah, summer after. Summer after. Yeah. Um, but like looking ahead to the future, do they look to blood people and, and give a run to someone like Lance Morris who he might be in the squad for the first Test. That might fall to someone different like Richardson or Michael Nisa for the next Test. But then again, someone like Michael Nisa who not only is a terrific bowler but he's getting a ton of runs as well Nisa being at the back end of his career mm. also in that PLM's 11 game who do they give the crack to so basically Cummins do we focus on winning this series 5-0 as best we can and that might be getting ahead of ourselves who knows who what how they'll show up the Packies and the West Indians but we should be winning it well or do we begin to blood them for, for next summer mm. it's uh it's it's a really unique position not unique but interesting spot that paddy cummins finds me in because sometimes when you're struggling as a team it's easy to see the direction you need to head in but when you're doing as well as he is and you've just come off one of the biggest wins of the last 20 years or whatever you can it's a hard decision do you stay ruthless and just go for wins or do you, it's just a it's a hard leadership decision so sometimes it can be harder than the leadership like you look at like england for example it seems pretty obvious the direction they need to head i'd assume in, internally <coughs> if they're being honest with themselves whereas patty we're all kind of sitting and going like what is the right direction like what's the right decision and, and the other one on that you talk about you know, keeping the team harmony what's best for the culture this and that and i've never heard a bad word spoken about cam green but mitch marsh is also known as being i mentioned um, george bailey before yeah. but mitch marsh is like the changing like a player, locker room guy locker okay. room guy that everybody loves sounds like just the best fella ever so uh, coming in in form mm. the blo boys love him you're not saying they don't um cam green and this is australian test side it's not the you know kuma stands reserve go yep. where you pick who's the best bloke however <laughs> these things these things they, do they matter come into contention. yeah absolutely they matter um to uh, still didn't get picked in the kuma oh, Phil oh. Oh. Wow. got demoters and overage play back to 18. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right um any more cricket talk boys just uh, just in two words england lol um, <laughs> they've just lost the first one day to the West Indies. We don't need to unpack it too much, but it's pretty funny. So, Mate, <laughs> seriously, what a disaster! They have gone from absolute penthouse to shit house oh. in like two or three years. It's just good stuff. Was there any signs of this, like from like this is a fully in, like I don't know anything about cricket. Even I'm going, that's a full yeah. on implosion. Yep. Were there any signs? Maybe Basball being a crock of shit. Yeah, that might have been the one sort of telltale. Because like thing. this, this would be like. Because they were on top of the world two or three years ago, correct? Yeah. So this would be like the top, like winning a comp and then coming wooden spoon pretty much. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, right. And against like teams with like you, and also you invented the game. Yep. You know, like all the resources, everything. You've written the rules. Written the rules. Invent the rules and so you, you know, can win a comp in the first place. And also you have the spirit of game on under your, your control. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Just uh, ask any of them. So... <laughs> Uh, so it has, it has been really funny and um, good to see it continuing <coughs> even after the World Cup. So, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, big news. Michael Maguire, officially named New South Wales coach. We knew that coming. Now, officially, two-year deal, but it's a five-month contract with a performance clause triggered to 2026. So I would assume that if he wins one of the two series or I, I don't, I'm, do you have the performance, what That's the clause is? Performance clause. Um, 
John Carwright, Brett White, Matt King will be assistant coaches. Frank Panisi will be team manager. Boys, after he gets the big win for New Zealand, now he's been named head coach. As New South Welshman, are you feeling better, worse, uh, mid? Where are you at? I definitely feel better, uh, you know, but I, every time I look at something positive in your I feel happy about it. I just, I just keep looking over the fence and just going, fuck, it's just a juggernaut we're up against, mm. which is what worries me. Uh, but, yeah, I'm happy to see Madge. I like the names that he's picked there. I think John Cartwright sort of got the rough end of the stick on a number of situations. I've always been a big Brett White guy, but I'll leave that to well, Timmy. <laughs> he was um, – he's obviously at the Broncos um, as assistant coach. Cartwright? Cartwright, yeah. Yeah, so, like – like he would have been a big help to getting them to a grand final. Yeah, for sure. And like people forget, you know, Johnny Cartwright, he coached the Titans when they first came in. I mean, they had a top four finish. People forget he was an assistant coach at the Cowboys when they won their comp. Mm, like geez. he's been around success for a long time, John Cartwright. And I think he's got the rough end of the stick on a number of occasions. Matt King's obviously, you know, he he's, was down there in Melbourne. He spent time at South Sydney at the Roosters. Um, as much as right now, maybe Trent Robinson isn't getting praised as much as he used to, but he's, you know, been more than happy to have Matt King next to him for a long time. The one I love, though, is Frank Panisi. Mm. You want to talk about just extended success over a long period of time. Um, Frank Panisi, mm. right up there. Funny story about Frank Panisi. His, uh, I think it was his father or something uh, owned a barbershop and one of his customers came in and said that his daughter was pregnant and they were looking for a name. Fr Frank Panisi's dad, I think it was, suggested, what about the name Bradman? He's now playing for Newcastle at left centre. No way. <laughs> Far out. Yeah, I remember I had Brabham Best on the podcast. He told the story. It was something like that. But, yeah, where they got the name from. That is insane. That's insane. Let's talk about having an impact on rugby league. Uh, Timmy, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I was pretty happy with Madge before the, the, the final at the end of the season at the Kiwis. So to see that come out, obviously devastating. It's a kangaroo supporter. But for the Blues, yeah, I'm really happy with Madge. I think he's you know pretty ruthless, pretty... Pretty tough. We know the longer campaigns, there's a bit of criticism around him about being too hard, but um, I think he's a bloke that can come in, he can galvanise this squad, bring them together. I think he can do a terrific job. Interesting selection in assistant coaches there. A um, <coughs> lot, lot, of, lot of Melbourne vibes coming out of it. But um, that, That's, a, I think, like really interesting is the, the Melbourne vibes because, you know, and I know they're not related, but Bellamy has had a crack before and it didn't seem to work for him. Uh, and that, look, doesn't mean Bellamy is not a goat coach, but that's what I, I'm interested to see. I don't know will that whether they will or they won't, but I'm assuming different uh, systems need to be put in place mm. for a mm. series rather than building a club. And that uh, with like Panisi, we all know at the very least we know he'll do a good job. Uh, the question I have is, will he do as great a job as he does at Storm? And it's not a question of me implying that he won't. It's just a genuine question. Can he take all that experience and mould it into, you know, a campaign rather than yep. a club? That'll be the huge test, won't mm. it? It's crazy. Like, imagine if you would have gone back five years ago and, you know, compared this coaching staff to what we've had the last few years. Mm. And, you know, you would have taken Joey, Brandy, all these guys. Yeah. But, fuck, it's a change that I'm excited about now. Yeah, I, I, like I, after Madge's performance, and also then you, you look at what's going on at Tiger since he's left, and then, you know, you look what he's kind of built in New Zealand, you go, maybe he just needed that second chance. This, oh, oh, well, I know he's at the Tigers, but maybe, when I spoke about this on Packer Up Boys, but we always give players so much grace to develop, but we never give coaches the grace of, they're learning as well. Like, like from five, when five years old, 
footy players are training to be footy players. Where do you go to train to be a head coach? You don't. You basically got to roll in after your footy career at 40 years old or whatever, go coach like, you know what I mean? You might get, most coaches that end up in the NRL might get what, four or five years in reserve grade and then they become a coach. It's a pretty short amount of time. And also like reserve grade coaching to NRL coaching is like, it's not even, like, not even in the same stratosphere. And so maybe Michael Maguire is in that position now where he's improved so much that he could be the man for the job. It's a, it's a remarkable opportunity for his legacy if he can come oh. out and win a series. If he goes from premiership winning coach, he gets that. The what will be a very, very famous <coughs> Kiwis victory just recently, record victory over the Kangaroos. If he can then land a Blues series win against what is a red hot now Maroon side, uh, plenty to play out, but... Oh. Well, that's, that's the most interesting thing is, and you said it, Guru, is that the fact of the matter is when you look across the fence, mm. it's like it's at this stage not even in the same league. Like we're talking immortals of our game, essentially a whole coaching staff of them. And then battlers is not the right word, but you've got just good, solid coaches across the – and it's like almost – I wouldn't say it's not a David versus Goliath thing, but in reality, we're talking about immortals yeah. versus a guy that got let go from the Tigers. Obviously, had the famous Kiwis. He's won a premiership, but he's a battler. Like he's he's a battler that works. And again, I know battler's the wrong word because it's it sounds condescending, but I'm not trying to be condescending. What I'm trying to say is is that these are the this is you're going up against the biggest names in the history of the game. It's a, it's a tough, tough ask. I think the other thing I like about some of these names, like Michael Maguire and Brett White, I don't like to compliment the Canberra Raiders when, when Tim's here, but like at the start of every season, you look at that Raiders side and you just go on paper, they can't make the top eight. Sure. Yeah. But they fucking find a way to yeah. do it and they hang in and we take the piss out of them. They only win one to 12. They, just, they win enough. Yeah. Absolutely. To be relevant and to play finals footy. Mm. And then you get to finals footy and you go, oh, fuck, that's the team I don't want to play. I know. I know. And I would just, I would like, because talent isn't our problem in you. We've got the talent. Mm. It's just about getting that mindset and having that grit in our side, which I really hope those Raiders boys can bring. And that's the thing, like, with you looking at that, you know, the the roster of the coaching staff coming in and a bit of an odd mix and, and sort of random blokes coming in here. But State of Origin, as we know, is such a unique beast. It's mm. nothing like club football. It's nothing like international football. You know, Queensland have this rhetoric of we get Origin, we know that, da, da. What is the best way to coach Origin? I don't know. Mm. Like, some of the greatest coaches of all time have gone in there and had no, no luck like it. So what's to say this sort of mismatch of coaches stuff can't be the ones to bring out the best in them? Well, absolutely. And even look at Freddie. I know, <laughs> you know, people are, are very quick to dismiss what he achieved in Origin, but he struggled as a head coach in Clubland, mm. and he was really good for the first few years as a, um, you know, an Origin, a New South Wales coach. So you're right, Timmy, like, who's... There's no formula out there that goes what makes a good origin coach. This might be the perfect formula where we don't need superstars to coach superstars. We need battlers. Not and again, I'm, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm using battlers as a compliment, not as a as a condescending term. To just instill in them, here's the direction, boys, take it. Um, but isn't it? It's what's so interesting heading into this series next year is that total polar opposite of you've got Billy Slater, Cameron Smith. Jonathan Thurston against guys that I think Cartwright obviously obviously Matt King Brett White played Origin but they didn't play a lot of Origin mm. Cartwright played Origin I'm, too, I'm yeah sure yeah too. Oh, yeah he was but a, a little bit so, you know what I'm saying against literally guys that will yeah. be etched in history as Origin well, well, there's, kings there's blokes that can't get into the Maroons coaching room that we would welcome in mm. realistically. 
Hooper Cronk, for example. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, that is actually a great point. Um, and so that's where I feel like this is, in my opinion, if I'm New South Wales and I'm like, and I'm the attitude guy, can I be the attitude guy? Yeah, sure. The attitude guy. That I'm, I'm almost going, let's do a Queensland to Queensland in. We're the battlers. We're the underdogs now. Look at these immortals. Yep. These guys, everyone loves these guys. These series wins and they all, Billy Slater, all the press loves him. We are, we're the dogs now. We're the dogs hunting them. That's the mindset I'll be going in. And I think, Madge, if there's one guy that is that guy, is he'll be the hunter rather than the hunted. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's bizarre to be saying that when you're probably standing in a change room with Nath Cleary, yeah. Tom Travojevic, Latrell Mitchell, mm. like the absolute best of the best. But as Timmy said, Origin's a different beast and mm. we are the underdogs. Yeah. Like 100%. That's the mindset I'd be settling on everyone is we're the underdogs. Don't believe any bullshit you see in the media if, you know, it comes out that all oh, Queensland have, don't have this player or that player. It's it's nonsense. We are underdogs. That's the, that's what I would be trying to instill in the boys. Because, as I said, when you look at the experience and everything from the coaching staffs, it is, it's crazy the difference. Um, but that doesn't mean that Madge can't be a, a fantastic origin coach. What do you reckon, Hammy? Yeah, well, I agree. I just think what he did with uh, New Zealand, probably going into that, if he hadn't won that final, mm. and I would have been a bit like, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. But mm. the fact that he was able to resole a team of legends, basically, um, with a similar kind of, you know, like still some really good players. But I don't know. I think he's. I think he probably is the best. The best person. The best option that they <coughs> they sort of had. So looking forward to looking forward to a tight series as well. Guru's gone the um, with the Canberra coaches in the coaching staff. Uh, Blues one to twelve. So. <laughs> That's one to watch out for when the markets do come out. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm looking forward to it. As a Tigers fan, I've seen him go through a pretty tough time. Mm. Good to see him having some good times now. And I'm, I'm enjoying the Madge Redemption arc. So, yeah. you know, still is go it, Queensland, but, you know. It is interesting because the Kiwis, that's what they did in that game. They came out and said, <coughs> you know, everyone's talking about Tino and Payne Haas and this crazy Australian side. No one's given us any respect. And I think they should take that into the New South Wales scale. Like, guys, you have been disrespected by so many people for the last few years. It's time to get to go back and go, all right, now we're going to earn this. We're going to earn – I mean, they've got enough respect. But if I'm a New South Wales current player, some of the chat, just in comment sections – and I know you shouldn't read comments, but it is being disrespectful. We're talking about guys like Nathan Cleary. We're talking about guys like Payne Haas, Chitesco. Like, these are – Fucking top tier players, but but it is the reality of it. You've got these top tier players who, you know, based on results last few years, they don't have the respect that they should have in the state of Origin Arena, and mm. I think that's our biggest weapon coming mm. into next year. Yeah, we got any chat about? I know in Game Three last year, Ivan jumped in the box a little bit. I know that was with Freddie, but New South Wales won that game. Do we think he'll get I, involved I a little bit as well? Or I think because you've got Cartwright, yep. Brett White, and Matt King all on current, all currently in the game. Yep. I don't think you'll see that again. Yep. Um, and I think that you could see with some of the decisions that were made that they probably did miss a coach that was in the game constantly as an assistant coach or even a head coach yeah. at time, had been a head coach, just to know some of the calls to make on the fly. Um, because Badiris, was Badiris, he's, he's obviously an assistant coach at, at Newcastle Knights, but it's, outside of that, I don't think he's had anyone on this, that were his current assistant coaches in the yeah, I don't think so. Had Betsy, Betsy's not oh, he's not an assistant. Well, there you go. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, there you bloody go. So what you had, Freddie, Andy, 
Randy, who's not. Randy's not, but he's not on the coaching stuff. He's just a, like an advisor. Yeah. yeah. Then you had like like Ciro and guys like that that are around, but none of them are assistants. Coaches so. currently. So that's going to be interesting as well as that play-by-play. Mm. Um, well, you would have to assume that if they've gone and got three guys that are genuine assistants, yeah. that's a ploy, right? Yeah, surely. Uh, now, uh, Michael Maguire said, when you've got a clean sheet, You've def- you're definitely going to chat to everyone that might be available to available to you. I'm very fond of Jack. I had some quality time there with him at Canberra. He's a big game player. Everyone knows that. I'll let him find his feet at South, and when the time's right, we'll have that conversation. I fully respect where he's at and what he wants to do. Reckon, boys? First phone call I would have made. Mm. Once again, hate to compliment the Canberra Raiders when Tim's here, but Jack Whiten is one of the few origin players we have. Mm. He's one of the few guys that I think, if I'm Queensland and he gets picked, I go, fuck. Because you know what you're going to get for Jack. He's going to come for blood. He would have been one of the first phone calls I would have made. Mm. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, if Madge didn't make the call, I'd done it for him, mate. So, um, yeah, it'd be mad not to. <laughs> I'd love to see Jackie back in blue. Even when even when he did retire from it last year, sort of sat there and just went, don't think I've seen the last of him. It didn't blue. feel – it no. felt – it didn't feel right. Yeah. It didn't feel right. Something felt like this – It's not done yet. Unfinished business here. D- look, it's got to – we've got to talk about it, but – if he does get called back into the side, does that say something about the side that he retired from? Or does it say more about the fact that he was just had a lot on his plate that year and he just needed to step back from the origin arena? I'm hoping he just had a lot on his plate. Mm. But the question's will be asked. Wall, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I think it does say something. Like yeah, okay. if he comes back and goes, gets the corners, yep, I'm ready to go. Big questions have to be asked of what was going on beforehand. Um, the other thing is I'd love to see Jack Black back in Sky Blue. If we're at full strength and we can, on some miracle, Tom Trebojevic and the Troy Mitchell are fit and ready to play for us and can slot in in the centres, you know, there's not necessarily a spot there for him. Mm. However, he'd have been in the last, you know, five series sort of thing and you'd probably find a spot for him somewhere. But if we're at full strength, he doesn't necessarily walk back in, but you still make the call regardless. I just reckon you've just got to have him on the bench somewhere. No, 14, just like, have it. Yeah. Like, and if it's not 14, 17. Like, you, know, you look at all the forward. problems we've had over the last years, whether it be Nico Hines playing centre, Damien Cook playing centre, Jack Whiten solves Best. every single one of those problems. Mm. If Cam Murray and Isaiah Yo get injured, Jack Whiten solves your problems. Mm. Yeah. Like, there is literally no position Jack doesn't solve. Like, he could literally fullback as well. Yeah, and if not, you Wing. move one yeah. of your three other fullbacks in the team to fullback to put him at centre. Yeah. He <laughs> solves everything. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would back him. Uh, to play front row for 20 minutes. 100% you would. Like, just, he, he would some find a way to get it done. Not for longer than that, though, because I think then his body would oh, start to We've spoken about it before, but you brought up what felt like about six years ago, Kevy. But just seeing Jack running around the middle, it'd be so fun for a little bit. Oh, it'd be I'd fun. just seen him whack blokes. Yeah, just give him 20 minutes, go, mate, give us yeah, everything you got. It'd be fine. And yeah. he's, he's, once again, if you put him on in the middle, Queensland, for that period, we go, oh, fuck. Mm. I don't know what to expect here. Yeah, yeah. It would... The only thing that would be go against him would be that spot call of boys. He'll, he might he'll be able to take the contact for a few tackles, mm. but that's fifth and sixth mm. hit up that he's got to pa- tackle friggin', you know, Lindsay Collins is going to be tough. But it's worth it. But that's origin, mm. and that's where you know if Jack did come out and play fifty minutes in the front row and he did really well, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be overly shocked. Yeah, because well, he's just that sort of guy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, look, um, I think that this is after the, the win and then you go back and you look at the last few years at New Zealand, you go, I think the fact they lost to Australia in the semifinals has kind of like tainted our view on their World Cup run. I know they got close with Fiji and, and whatever, but like 
they probably should have been in the grand final with the World Cup. They just landed on the wrong side mm. of the draw. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't – when it first was announced, I wasn't positive, I wasn't negative. I was like, yep, kind of makes sense. I don't know how to feel that. The closer that – the more that's happened and the closer I get to it, the more I'm like, you know what, it could work. It really could work. Um, yeah. We've got the team to win. Like, <laughs> talent isn't the problem. It's just getting it all together. Yeah. We've always got the team to win. Always. Doing something about it's an issue. Yeah. I mean, it is a scary prospect to think if, if Tommy and Trell can just stay fit. Like, I'd take one of them at this stage, just like one of them to be fully fit going yeah, into it. Going into it, ready to go. This is um, where, you know, off the back of that grand final, like if Nath has gone to somehow another level, like, uh, you know, you can open any comment section anywhere and say that Nath hasn't, hasn't done it in origin, which I agree with. But if he just goes up 10%, it's game over. Mm. Yeah, okay, I mean, origin. Never too early. Never too early. Never. Uh, now, don't forget, guys, tonight, 50% off, getting restocked, some of bloke shirts. Also, do not forget to grab a case of bloke beer. Some store shout-outs here. Um, in New South Wales, Tarrant Point IGA, giving away stubby cools from Tuesday with a six-pack or a case of, uh, that you purchase. Uh, these guys are one of our biggest supporters in New South Wales. That's Tarrant Point in IGA. Uh, Foresters Beach Cellars. These guys have just topped up for summer. Treat yourself in these hot days. And Porter's Maroubra. Get down and say good day to Theo and grab some bloke beer. In Queensland, Paddington's Maguire's. Underneath the paddo, grab a case of bloke beer. Common Ground Cellars, bottle shop close to the University of Queensland. Every Black Sheep Bottle Shop, Newmarket, The Gap, Everton Hills and Hendra. Arana Leagues Club. Uh, in the bottle shop and behind the bar in Stafford Tavern. Stafford Tavern have been with us since the very, very start, guys. Make sure to support local independent bottle stores. Uh, now, Wayne Bennett has come out and said he's open to coaching New Zealand. I'm not retired yet, so if the Kiwis are interested, I'm certainly open to it. <clears throat> I've got a history with New Zealand. I was involved with the All Golds team in 2007. That was a great experience. We had a tour of England, and I was coach of them. I've also worked with Steve Kearney, um, former Kiwis coach, when he was coaching the Kiwis and they won the World Cup in 2008 with Steve in charge. I have great affection for the Kiwis. I coach several of their guys, the Dolphins, <coughs> Bromwich Boys and Sarko. The door is certainly open for me. If it's an option for New Zealand Rugby League, they know where to find me. I mean, get him in. <laughs> Just pick the phone up. Surely. It's almost a mute conversation, isn't it? Like, make a call, you have to. <laughs> what? Look, this is pure speculation, but... If he doesn't become the coach now and it's not about the financials, like as in, let's say he asked for too much, they can't yeah. afford it. It's, it seems like Madge was pushed out by a boy's job. Like, that's like, why would you not take Wayne Bennett? If it's not a financial, look, if they can't afford him, I understand that. But why would you not bring Wayne in? And then whoever the guy was that they were going to replace Madge with, bring him in as assistant coach. Wayne moves on, he takes over. For sure. And yeah, the reality is Wayne doesn't say too many things. When he comes out and says yeah. something like this, there's a reason for it. Yeah. Mate, can you imagine him with Fisher Harris, Leota, Manu? It's like New Zealand are getting scarier by the second. For sure. <laughs> Just like after that 30 0 win, there, there can be no denying that they're the best team in the world yep. right now. Uh, they get Wayne Bennett on top of that. It's, we're heading in, I wouldn't say as underdogs because our roster is so hectic, but it's pretty, it'd be pretty bloody even on the, on the odds. It'd be pretty bloody even. And if I'm, you know, the Panthers, if I'm Parramatta with Dill Brown, like, oh, I'm so excited to have some of my guys working with Wayne Bennett. Mm. Like to think these Panthers front rowers, you're thinking right now they can't get any better. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Could God. Could be about to. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I think f firstly, 
I don't know about you boys, but I've always found the concept of going and coaching other countries so weird. Same, same. Mm. And like I'm trying to come to terms with it, and it happens all the time in all sports, but it just feels weird to me. Like the fact that you can bleed green and gold and then go and sit on the sideline and try and coach another nation to beat your country. Yeah. I find it so weird. However- I personally couldn't do it. No, I, I'm with you. I couldn't Isn't do it. It's like Matty supporting another country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it bizarre that like, as Tim said, like Wayne Bennett going to that is just out there, but everyone's sort of okay with it. Mm. But imagine if it was Wayne Bennett open to coaching New South Wales. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's so yeah, strange. It'd be completely different. Well, it would never happen. happen. <laughs> but like you have your allegiance to your country and you have to your state, it's- I think, concept, yeah, for sure, yeah. I think what softens the blow with this, though, is that we're trying to grow the game internationally. Mm. And so I think that, especially when he first went with the Kiwis, it was about, like, when I remember speaking to Wayne, because he coached England as well. Yeah. yeah. And it was about, I think, Wayne Bennett's perspective, perspective was about growing the game, about yeah, making okay. it competitive internationally. So I think a lot of people are like, you know what? I'd rather, even though I personally probably wouldn't do it, I'd rather a guy like Wayne help our game grow than not. Yeah. And I mean, I agree with you, but like if Wayne's going to coach someone to help the game, is New Zealand the answer? Like I'd love to see him get a Samoa or a Tonga. We yeah. wouldn't have these on Yeah, it'd be great. I, I would say though, I do want this Australian-New Zealand rivalry to get back to. Mm. And, and that's it. Like putting the weirdness aside, if Wayne wants to do it and by the sound of it, he does, make the call, get him on board because he, he's a gun. It's funny, Timmy, that you say that because I always feel that. I'm always like, like imagine walking out and looking across and the green and gold's there and you're against the green and gold. Yeah. I'd, I'd feel sick to of lose. my Yeah, I'd feel sick of my stomach. Like how can you 100% put into your game plans and your pre-match talks to hype the boys up and that to go and get them to beat your country? Yeah. I find it so odd. I, I, I just think that, you know, from, from the grander scale of things, it's better for rugby league that he does mm-hmm. it, you know? So that's where I'm, and I think that's where Wayne's coming from because he just loves rugby league. Like yeah. you read anything from Wayne, mm. it is about the game. Like he loves it so much. And so like, even, even though I personally wouldn't do it, I'm actually glad Wayne is doing it. Yeah. Awesome storyline if he goes and does it. Oh. Like, what, how good would that be going to the next international yeah. series? But it, like, isn't it just the ultimate compliment to Wayne? If he coaches New Zealand, for him to coach Australia, England and New Zealand, Name me another human being that could ever weasel them, themselves yeah. into those positions. I think because he's just earned so much respect. Yeah, exactly what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like, it's just unbelievable to think yeah. about. Yeah. And I think also, like, most people understand Wayne is trying to grow the game. Yeah. Like, if we, if the, if we were, like, Union, for example, I don't think he, he would do it. And I can't speak for him. But I, I reckon he would. Oh, I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. <laughs> I can now he would. Oh, now... Eddie Jones has coached three countries. See, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that. I do not get that. The argument against it also could be because it's a job, mm. there's only a certain amount of jobs to mm. have as a, as a head coach of a nation. But it is very strange. It's very strange. Especially Wayne, who can get any job he wants, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's just good for the game. I just want to see Australia and New Zealand back to where we, you know, where it's fully hate each other. But at the same time, we shake hands at the end of it. I was a big fan of um, Dawn of the Dolphins, the Stan Doco at the yeah. start of the year. Bring on Dawn of the Kiwis. Dawn of the Kiwis, <laughs> eh? star started cast this time around. Wayne's still in a central role. Great Doco. It was a good Doco. Very good. If Wayne takes New Zealand, New Zealand versus Australia next year, both full strength, what are the odds coming into the game? I still think 
full strength, we should get the job done. But what what would your odds be like? Oh, I, you know, I, we'd be. I think we'd be like a dollar eighty, dollar ninety. Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon. I mean, coming off the final, the result there, probably a dollar seventy Australia, two ten Kiwis. They probably will be shorter on the markets, mm. but it should be around that. I, I don't know if they will, even after the final. Like we've seen a history of just like whoever is the bigger side, the more noted side, who in theory should be winning in that. Just they're the, always shorter odds, yeah. well, and, like, and also because Australia's a bigger population. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the kangaroos will actually be shorter than that come yeah. next year. What do you reckon the fair? What not? What the odds will be is because of this, you know. A different size of countries, yep. but fair odds heading into that. Dollar eighty, two bucks. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. agreed. I honestly don't quote me on that. I have to talk to the traders. Yeah, talk so. to traders. Yeah, I reckon it'd be quite close. Yeah, the fair odds, as in what the reality is heading into that game, because again, you look at Dylan Brown and Hughes and Cheese. Like they had their four string hooker and they still dusted us. Yeah, their now front four, row. Yeah, four bucks. I think. Yeah, yeah. like Gee. very exciting. Um, now more huge news. Uh, Reportedly, so maybe not huge news, but reportedly, <laughs> Adam Fenor Blake uh, has been linked to the Sharks. So Tracy and Moylan have uh, off the Sharks books, which reportedly frees up 500k. Fenukin's contract is uh, reportedly a lot lower in 2025, which would make sense because when he signed, there was always that talk about, you know, a three-year deal or a four-year deal or whatever it was. Those last couple of years, he's going to get a bit older and his body's been through a lot. They have 21 players coming off contract in 2024-25. This could give the Sharks a chance at uh, getting Adam Vanilla Blake for 25 for a multi-year deal. Uh, and Billy Burns is obviously just signed there. Mate, They, if they got Adam Vanilla Blake, in my opinion, they're a premiership threat. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, based on what we've seen over the last two years, it's hard to bet against Craig Fitzgibbon. Like, mm. how on earth he convinced Dale and Nico to go there in the situation they were in with him having... No runs on the board whatsoever. Mm. You know, they, they've made the finals the last two years and my, my big sell to Adam would be, you're the missing jigsaw piece. Well, we, we've spoken about it so often with the Sharkies. Do they have enough of those top, top, top tier players that can break games apart? And and they, they've only really got Hines at the moment. Now, that's not to say Mulatalo can't. That's not to say they... But what I'm saying is, is that all of the best sides that, you know, go on and challenge for comps, they've got two or three best in class like purely best in class and you add in for that add into that side you genuinely have a challenger for best in class in position whereas like Hines at seven I know he won the Dally M but Cleary is the best seven mm. Hines is is you know in the top five but he's he's not best in class yet now Hines absolutely can get to close to best in class if he can if he keeps improving year on year now he probably won't surpass Cleary but outside of that he could get best in class but a guy like Adam Fenor Blake genuinely is already in that discussion now, right now. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, definitely turns into premiership contenders. And they're like they're lacking, they're not lacking a middle. Like their squad's outstanding, their middles are very good. But if we're talking premiership contenders, they're lacking that strike middle. They've got like, you know, Dale Fanukin, Toby Rudolph, Hamlin Newelle, Jack Williams, some really good middle forwards. But we know that the Sharks in recent years have struggled against top four sides really poorly. Mm. That could be the fact that there's no, no, we will match you in the middle. And I think they've got, from Nico Hines, that star outside backside, that there's enough strike out wide in the entire back line for me to compete with the best and win a title. But they're just probably lacking that little bit of punch through the middle. And the other thing, AFB, who's missed a few games, and had a, like Ken find a little injury niggle, played a lot of games this year, 
between Rudolph, Fanuka, and Hamanuele, Jackie Williams himself, a lot of injuries, a lot of missed time. If they can get AFB in there, fit and healthy, off the back of what he did last year for the Warriors, and play big minutes each week, not even big minutes, play frequently and play yeah. most games, it'd be huge for them. And like, I know there's probably the argument that the Warriors didn't have a great record against top four sides either, but... Fanua Black was pretty damn good, as we know. Dalian medal prop mm. of the year, so Dalian prop of the year, I should say. Well, we um, we saw what SJ could do with Fanua Blake's ball playing. Imagine what Hines could do on that front foot <laughs> footy with Adam Fanua Blake. It would yeah. be f- unbelievable. Opens up Blake Braley's running game, that bit extra as Massively. well. Massively. And then you've got great scooters in Mulatalo, Katoa. I mean, I think that Sharks' backline is probably the most underrated backline in the competition. Um, now, I don't, I'm not saying it's the best, but I do think that it doesn't get enough appreciation for how high quality it is across the board. Um, what do you reckon, AFB, Sharkies? Well, I just think AFB, we've heard a lot of clubs come out and say they're keen on him, but this is probably the one club, if you're AFB, you're like, I wouldn't mind mm. going there. They might yeah. actually Good point. You know, win something. Um, I still think he'd look great in orange and black and white, <laughs> but uh, if you're him and a club like this wants you, like... I mean, you seriously have to think about it. You're still going to get some pretty good coin. Good yep. coin and maybe a chance at well, probably finals footy. Yep. And also a chance at making a run. Yep, yeah. Whereas if you go to some of the other clubs that have been talking about him, he's getting the good coin, but probably mm. probably battling a bit, yeah. not enjoying his footy as much. So this this could be a good fit for him. I, I, I do. I really want to see him lob at the Dragons or the Bulldogs. It's kind of that from a just general the fo- footy fan. <laughs> or Tigers. <laughs> from a general footy fan perspective, like, it'd be great to see him go to the Sharks and turn them into a premiership threat uh, alongside the big dogs in the competition. But from a footy fan, I want to see... I don't want to be having these same conversations next year about the Dragons Park and the doggies <coughs> missing the middle. I'd love to see him go in and shore up one of them two sides. Yeah. Um, however, everything you boys just said, depending what the value is and what the Sharks can offer him compared to clubs like the Bulldogs and the Dragons, if he gets the right offer, surely that's the club that makes the most sense to him. I think uh, just... A little bit off topic, I guess, but I think a really interesting one. Matt Moylan obviously left a few weeks ago, mm. and you know we, we always had those stats that we talked about where you know how impressive Matt Moylan is without us really noticing. One thing that I noticed was back in the last season, I, I don't think Trindle and Hines are a perfect match for each other. Mm. I think they sort of almost their their abilities clashed a little bit on field. Whereas Moylan was very sit back, let Nico run the entire show. I think that's going to be an interesting little storyline coming into next year. It is so disappointing that Moylan's defence went to the shit last year yep. because you're spot on. Moylan and Nico in attack were so synchronised. I don't know how they did it so well on such – having just paired up together, Nico in the halves playing such a unique style. Matty Moylan himself is pretty unique half with a fullback running background. I just wish Moylan could have got his defence together because that was – in attack, that was something special. Yeah. I yeah. reckon it'll be a talking point for the start yeah. of next year. Uh, yeah, I think that it's it's not a physical ability thing. I think Trindle just has to kind of accept that this is Nico's team. Yeah. And I think the key to Matty Moylan's great form was just like an older head going, I'm totally okay with being in the back seat and just going, yep, sweet, whatever you want, wherever you want. Yeah. Which people in the comment section will bag, it doesn't do anything, but, but like sometimes not overplaying your hand is the best thing you can do in a footy side. When you've got a guy like Hines, who we just see tear teams apart, yep. unfortunately, you have to play your role in a side. You may be a gun ball runner in another team, you're the main guy, but Hines needs a guy that's just going to get him good ball in good field position and do exactly what he needs to be, to do. Um, and like, look, Trindle's young. He, I, I th- 
It, I do think it would be a talking point, but I think Trindle, I think Fitzgibbon will be aware of this yeah. and heading, he'll, he'll prepare Trindle for mate. It's going to be times where you're going to want to take the line on or something's going to happen. You've just got to quell that a little bit and understand that Hines is the tip of the spear for us at the moment. But as you develop, you'll get more in tune with knowing when to inject yourself. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as we said with Matt Mullen, that, you know, he just used to sit back. I think a classic example is what Mitch Kenny's done at the Panthers. Mm, yeah. Coming oh. into that side, just, and like, to, as I said, all pieces, I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. But he's played his role <clears throat> perfectly. When you talk about, like, playing your role, he genuinely might be the best role player in the competition. Quite possibly, yeah. Because he's so good that you don't even notice him. Yeah. And that's a compliment because he, he has removed his ego to the nth degree and said, I am doing exactly what Nathan and Jerome want me to do every single – not just – like when was the last time you saw Kenny do something selfish and went, fuck me, Mitch, just give him the ball? Mm. Never. Never. Literally never. And then, you know, there's every chance him just playing his role in a couple of years' time we're going to look back and go, okay – Mitch Kenny's got the most premierships for a hooker, not named Cameron Smith. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's it's actually insane. He's at two now, and and like you don't, and no one talks about his defence. When was the last time you saw a game and you were like Mitch Kenny? Ah, oh, fuck, he missed seven tackles. Like Mitch Kenny's got to be probably the most underrated player in the comp. Now I'm not sitting here saying he's out there going to be you know Smithy or Danny Bedirus, but something is to be said when Cleary does what he does. <clears throat> he's not going to do that with a nine that is not high quality. He's just I, not. I guarantee you, Ivan Cleary next year, he'll play Mitch Kenny for 50, 60 minutes, but then come finals time, he'll play 80 in those mm. games. Yeah. What, what, a, what a story with Mitch Kenny, like, like a utility forward, half. Like, I don't even know what position he was. Just a tough kid. Just a tough motherfucker yeah. that was willing to do what's best for the team. And he, he's all, he, you know what? He really represents what Penn is all about, is playing your role for a side. He finds himself as the starting nine and arguably played their best year and their best grand final after losing a guy like Api Coruscant, who is unbelievable. Yeah, and, you know, for, you know, if you go back and watch that last set of six, Cleary scores the try, he gets all the applause. Mitch Kenny dominated that entire set. Yeah. He gets, it, like, you could have put Cam Smith at hooker in that set, and I don't think he could have done better than what Mitch Kenny did. Well, he did exactly what was needed in the yeah. set. He just gets, he gets no... I mean, Penrith fans appreciate the fuck out of him, but, mate, he... <laughs> What an interesting player because, you know, he's got his own needs as well. So it's like, do you stay on probably not that much coin? What do you do heading forward? He's only going to get better. I wonder how old he is. How old he is? 25, 25 26. 26, I'd say. So yeah. he's going to get better and better and better. And like, if you don't know what we're talking about, <coughs> go back and watch that last set of six and watch no one but Mitch Kenny and just how he manipulates the markers. Even just little things like there's, there's, there's two tackles where he leans to the right and Reese Walsh chases out. He comes down the left and has Kurt, I think it's Jordan Ricky has him exactly where he wants him mm. for two tackles in a row. It's incredible. Um, uh, also, the Sharkies, uh, Billy Burns has just signed there. I actually really like this. Really like this signing. Um, I know, so he's at Penrith, so he's highly touted. They wouldn't bring him if he wasn't. And obviously he went to Dragons, didn't seem to work out. It's hard to rate a guy at the Dragons at the moment because of the current state the club is in. Now, how much have we been talking about that edge back row and being like, Sharkies just need either depth there or find someone. I really like this signing. I really do. And I think if there's one coach that Billy Burns could probably really flourish under, it's a guy like Craig Fitzgibbon. Uh, mate, to be honest with you, I... 
I spoke about him a lot the back end of last year at the Dragons. I, th- I thought it kind of did work out, but they were just such a shit show that no one talked about him or noticed him. Mm. I thought he was really good towards the back end of the season. There, there, there was him and the other back rower that played for PNG. His name escapes me at the moment. Cashman? No. Nah. Uh, Matty, re- uh, kind of redheaded guy. Uh, I forget his name. It's last name's like Anderson or something. Uh, but I thought Burns was... <laughs> really that Anderson was vibes about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be nothing like Anderson, you watch. Um, but I... What? Dan Russell. Yeah, Dan Anderson Russell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought Billy Burns was very good at the back end of the season. As you said, with Wade Graham gone now, there is that left edge spot. You know, I thought maybe shifting Talakai in there was the answer, but maybe it could be Burns. It gives them that competition for the spot that they desperately, desperately need. needed. Yeah. Whether or not Billy Burns is that man or not, I don't know. Teague Wilton has a bright future, but had defensive issues last year. And when he got injured, I think he was probably also on the precipice of a change coming anyway because that edge was in all sorts. Mm. But Wilton's coming back from injury. Whether they wanted to maybe look at shifting C for there. Like Wade Graham came in the back end of the year and sorted that side out defensively. I think that flew really under the radar, how well the impact he had there. But they needed depth for that left edge position. Mm. So between now Seifar, Wilton, um, and now Burns, it just gives them a few options. Mm. And yeah, a few few little Jackson Ford vibes about this one out of yeah, the Dragons. I like, like it. Like we sit there in six, twelve months and go, they let another good one go. Now listen, Sharky's fans, if at any stage there's booing going on and you don't turn to your mate and go, I was seeing boo earns. <laughs> <laughs> it's a travesty. It's a travesty. Absolute half folly. It's like seriously, it's there for you. Every yeah. game. You can you get yeah. boo, I was saying boo. You yeah. can do it literally every single game. Do so. we need to draw your diagram? Yeah, seriously. And seriously. it's also going to be hilarious every time. Every, yeah. every single time. <laughs> if not for your friend, at least for you. Yeah. <laughs> at least for you. Um, so, yeah, I like the signing. Billy Burns on the edge there. Alrighty, uh, more NRL news. Don't forget, guys, grab a case of bloke beer, the beer of Australian sport. Uh, it's the beer for blokes to turn up, for families, mates, and good times. Aussie spirit in a can. So make sure, get down to your local, grab a case. If you're driving right now, you haven't given her a try, you're like, you know what, I'm going to give bloke beer a try. Get down to your local, give her a try. It's an absolutely beautiful, easy-drinking beer, the midi and the full strength. Uh, now, uh, Jaden Sullivan has come out and quoted being saying, uh, I felt like I was going to be a one-club person, dragon always but I wanted and needed an opportunity. I still love the Dragons. There's no bad blood there. So who's to know where my career is going to end up? Uh, look, this isn't like crazy that a young player would say this. It's quite normal. You know, young players are usually quite idealistic and want to be a one-cup player. I think the, the key in this sentence that really surprises me is I wanted and needed an opportunity. So my assumption is that he was basically told you know, at this stage, you're not in the first grade side. That's what shocks me that much is that with everything going on with Ben Hunt and everything going on with, you know, Amon as well, to tell your gun next seven or six, basically you're not in first grade and opportunity can be found elsewhere, that is extremely surprising to me. Well, it either says he was told or maybe he was just told nothing and left in the dark. That's the side I'd probably lean towards. Then why would they release him? Like, do you know what I mean? The, the, the fact yeah. that they released him says that he wasn't. Because if he was, they would have said, mate, no way. Like, you're the next in line. Yeah, fair. Yeah, what have they seen that we haven't? Like, he just looks so good. And, and even if he, look, even if he, even if he struggled a little bit, 
what else is out there? And you're the, you're the dragons right now. Both of your halves are under clouds. And you don't have any more in the squad at, at this stage that are even close. Like Benny Hunt under a cloud as to whether he would stay. Because remember, he released three or four months <coughs> ago. Amon, obviously everything he's going through, super bizarre. Uh, it makes no sense to me that you would go to the next guy in line. Some would argue that he should be in front of Amon in line. But the next guy in line, and you would say, yes, we, we grant you a release. Unless... You know, maybe um, from Sullivan's perspective, he means I want to play first grade right now. And Dragons were like, you're not going to be playing first grade for another year or two. But that, the whole relationship, the, the Sullivan-Dragons relationship never seemed to work as well as you would have hoped. Mate, the whole thing, like a few years ago when you had Bud Sloan and these boys playing, like they, they won an SG ball comp a couple of years ago and the Dragons were just sitting there going... We're set for the next decade. They had like five of the best yep. young. Ta- they had, their talent was so good, it rivaled the next generation of Panthers players. Yep. And you're going to say that's hyperbolic. It's it's absolutely it's not. It's not. It's how it was. And now you've got we've got you know Sloan as well coming up soon. Obviously, Amon is dealing with his what he's dealing with. Essentially, all of them are gone. Yeah. Did the Sullivan? Did Sullivan get released before Hunt came out and said he wanted a release? What uh, was the time no, I think it was after. I think it was after. Yeah, I think it was well and truly after. Like, like yeah. substantially after. I know, like, there's so much to unpack with it, and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes we don't know about. But when Hunt came out and said he didn't want to be there, and you had Sullivan and, and Amone, who are both, like, have such bright futures, whether or not they're ready to both lead, you know, a side now. But you think back and you just go, do you just sit there and go, Benny, you can go, we'll free up our million dollars, we'll run these two very bright talents in our halves. We're clearly in a massive rebuilding phase as it is. And we'll use the million dollars from Ben Hunt to go towards a gun fullback or a gun number nine. And again, I know there wasn't a heap on the market, so maybe they've just gone, no, 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 like we, we don't have anyone that we can get. But well, that, that, you know how I know it was after? It's because that's exactly what I suggested. Yeah. I said, look, at, at this stage, <clears throat> even with Benny Hunt in the side, you aren't playing finals footy and you come in 14th, yeah. 15th. So what's, okay, yeah, look, if you bring Bud and Amon in and you win the wooden spoon, I understand it's humiliating or whatever, but you know what's more humiliating? Staying at the bottom of the table for the next four or five years. Um, that's what I couldn't understand. When Benny Hunt, the thing is, is the Ben Hunt thing became public, you know, at a certain date. It would have been weeks and weeks, if not months before, they were aware that Ben Hunt wanted to leave. So what I don't get is they didn't go, okay, let's try and keep him, get him to stay for the first whatever weeks or month, once you realise he is gone, especially when we heard stuff that he's willing to pay to leave, make the best of a bad situation and go, okay, he's gone, let's get a good trade for him, we bring in Bud, we bring in Amon, and we, at the very least, we buy ourselves some good grace from the fans by saying, guys, this is a bit of ahead of their time, but we're building towards the future. Yeah, as opposed to you in a premiership window and Hunt wants to leave you like, mate, we, premiership windows are so small mm. in the NRL as we know. You're like, we can win this now. We need you to do that. And it would be a different story. Yeah. But that wasn't. It was a complete opposite to that. It doesn't. And I know I get the understanding of people going, well, you know, they're standing strong and standing firm and setting, you know, whatever. It's like, look, I get that. But at the end of the day, standing strong doesn't win your matches and it doesn't help you win premierships in the you know, future years when it comes to keeping players. What does is creating the best environment in the team to win matches and I understand, I understand what you're saying there, but I look at it as going like, is it a strong culture to want 
to make people that don't want to be there stay there. No, that's the point I'm yeah, making. Yeah, like I just it just I cannot believe Ben Hunt's still there. To be completely honest, with you. It, I love Benny Hunt. I'm a huge fan of him, but I can't believe the Dragons have made the decision to let a guy like Bud go and keep Ben Hunt there. And, and a guy like Bud that wants to be there. Bud's not there and saying he wants yeah, to be there. Yeah. Ben's the captain and saying he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> just, it just shows you, and, and I know that a lot of um, fans feel like it's a bit of a cop-out. And look, Benny Hunt's responsible. He signed a contract. Bud Sullivan, he's all responsible. They're both adults. But at the end of the day, this is a reflection of a club that hasn't been run well for a few years now. Yeah. This is where poorly run clubs end up, where you're going, where you're scratching your head like... Sorry, mate, but you look at the Tigers. When we look at their decisions sometimes, we go, what the hell is going on? And it's the same thing with the Dragons. You go, what the hell is going on? The Bulldogs, at least, going, look, there's a clear path they're trying. Now, we'll be critical if that path doesn't come to fruition. And even with those decisions, they were super underwhelming this year. But at least at the Bulldogs, you can see a path forward. I don't really... That even the Tigers, to a degree, I see a path forward. You know, Benji, they've got a decent roster. At the Dragons, like, what is the path forward at the moment? Isn't it crazy when you look back at, like, Mary McGregor's time and how much the media went after him and how much it was a shit show then? And, like, I don't, if I was a Dragons fan, I'd give my right arm to go back to what it was like with Mary. They had equal <coughs> most uh, rep players when Mary was there. Five mm. or six uh, origin players. Yeah. And, yeah, mate. Yeah, it, and isn't it interesting how the media can create this vibe so quickly that like Mary just can't coach. He's a bad coach. And it's like, okay, for sure, coaches take the full brunt of most results. But how often do we see the coach get moved on and they just go complete shit? And you go, okay, was he a bad coach mm. or was he in a bad environment and the people above him are not good at running the club? That's what it seems like to me. I mean, look, West Tigers, Michael Maguire. By the end of his ten- tenure, he was like everyone agreed that he just couldn't coach anymore. It was gone. Now we all look at it and go, okay, maybe he was doing the best with what he got. Yeah. Well, I think those three years, the Tigers finished nine, ten, and eleven. Imagine match nine. with this squad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, imagine what match could do with this squad now. Compared, look, when you look at the roster, match was rolling around with compared to the, what they got now. Was Madge actually a miracle worker? Like yeah. Getting them signed. Seriously, seriously. Come back, Madge. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah. Um, Interesting you mentioned the Tigers there. Bud Sullivan, he said he wanted to be a one-club player. Mm. I think he, I think he'll be a two-club player with a couple of premierships under the belt. Okay. That's my prediction. That's your prediction? Clip that up. Okay, clip yep. it up. There it is. He said it. Yep. Amy oh. said it. Um, I'm excited for Sullivan, though. I'm excited because we haven't seen the best of him yet. We've seen flashes of brilliance in his game. But if he hits his potential, uh, like a lot of fans haven't seen how good the kid can be. Yeah. And I, I think eventually, uh, I think a lot of people, because he's played a bit of 14 and all that, I think he'll end up being a genuine halfback. He is a genuine halfback. Yeah. Let's get... But, uh, but I, I think a lot of people can't see that at the moment. Oh, for sure. Because he's been fucked around in so many different positions. He's a genuine seven. He's out and out seven. Like he is a seven that... He's, he's almost... He's not the same as um, Sam Walker, but he's an electrifying seven that is an attacking absolute mm. monster. Um, and to have him as the, the bash around guy that gets put in 14 and he's got to play lock, he's got to play hooker, it's like, mate, that is not what he is. Yeah. He said he wants to play a seven too. He's asked about it recently. He goes, I want to... <coughs> All he's ever been is a seven. Yep. Um, and like, I think he has the talent to be uh, a good six as well. Uh, but I think eventually he'll be a seven. Yep. I really do. Uh, Tyra Sloan has also come out and he has been quoted... Um, 
Comments on wanting to play fullback. I really want to step up and make that position right. On defence, he said, it's something I do lack. I'll be honest. I do lack there. I do save tries too, though. These moments are there where I'm good and there's moments there where I'm bad. You are your own worst critic and sometimes I come out of a tackle feeling for myself uh, and not just myself, but letting my team down. I think what he meant by feeling um, for myself is in like, I'm angry at myself yep. for not feeling like sorry for himself, uh, but letting my team down. I mean, look, they're accurate comments. Um, and it's it's good that he's being quite honest. Uh, I, I really do respect this from young players of going, you know what? Yeah, I do. And he's and he's 100% right. Some games you're like, Tyra Sloan, love it. And then other games you're like, fuck, what's going on there? Uh, it's just a matter of executing now. You know, now you're aware and you've publicly said that. You've always, you've always uh, made yourself accountable now. Yeah, and, and we, we sat here 12 months ago and he also pointed out flaws in his game and things he'd done wrong. So absolutely no, not in fact, it's it's pretty commendable on that he does come out publicly and say, no, I do this wrong, I do this wrong. He doesn't make excuses. I love that about Tyrell Sloan. So, but you know, so we saw similar sort of quotes, I believe, last year and uh, jury's out on him. I, I, I'm <coughs> far from convinced and I'm not sure he has what it takes to be the week in, week out, consistent NRL footballer. That being said, he's still young. Mm. He clearly knows he's doing wrong. And he's happy to admit that, which goes a long way to improving these things. And it's, I'm not convinced by him, but he's also got so much potential that in like six months' time, we could be looking back at this moment going, you're an idiot because he's a superstar. Yeah. He's got it in him, but I am a long way from convinced. Well, and he's at this stage of his career where words are irrelevant now. I think words were relevant, uh, and, and I'm fully I agree with you. I've already said it, but I'm really commendable that he's been open and honest. So it's not to say don't be open and honest. What I'm what is getting to the point of his career where you don't say it, just show us. Yeah, just show us because we've said this a couple of years now, which is understandable. Young players take time to develop. I was guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. You know, he's going to be—he's going to have played more NRL games than me and a better NRL player than me. But uh, he's at a stage now where, okay, we appreciate it, and uh, so commendable that he's come out and been honest like that. But need to show us because another year of this, and unfortunately, it'll be minimum contract somewhere else or Super League. Well, and yeah, I think that's you know. This is his last year at the Dragons, and you know we could get to halfway through this year. And if he if he plays his absolute best footy during the year, he could have sixteen clubs lining up. Yeah, seriously. But seriously. if he does what he's done, it superly could be his only option. Yeah, that's the reality. It, of it. it could so easily be either end of that yeah. spectrum, couldn't it? Like we, we could be sitting here going, like this this young superstar kid. He's he's exploded onto the scene. He's the best young fullback in the competition. Like that's his ceiling, but. It's just the consistency and just committing to the game. Just committing, going 80 minutes, fully zoned in. I'm fucking here for 80 minutes. Not, you know, score a, you know, a length of the field try and then I might, you know, switch off for a little bit. It's 80 minutes of just fully um, committing to it. And I, I hope he does, man, because he, he seems like a great kid. He really mm. does. But he really is at the point of his career where it's just – it's now or never. Yeah. It really is now or never. And the reality is he's in a tough spot because based off his performances the last few years, like this year, <laughs> he can't be good. He has to be great. Yeah. Or people are going to come after him. 
And he has to be consistent as well. Like he can't go four good games and one bad game because as yep. soon as he has the bad game, it is the world's going to yeah. end. That, that's the exact script we're all expecting. Yeah. But if he goes, he's he'd, he, honestly, he'd be better off. If he went nine out of 10, nine out of 10, nine out of 10, five out of 10, he'd actually be better off going eight out of 10 for the whole yep. year. Yeah. Just eight out of 10. Oh, yeah, he would be better off at the end of the year, fans going, Sloan was pretty good this year. Yep. Then, fuck, did you see Sloan's incredible fucking highlight reel? But geez, are we, he, some of his moves. He touches on it, but... I just want to see him throwing his body at blokes in defence. Yeah, for sure. And putting it out there. And he might get shrugged off or thrown or whatever because he's you know, a bit leaner, a bit smaller and that. But I don't care. I just want to see the attitude defensively. We know he can do it in attack. Don't be wrong. There's a lot of like positioning and stuff that needs work. But defensively is where the attitude comes. And you go, do you really want to do this or not? Do you want to get in front of Mike Acevo that's mm. about to absolutely steamroll you and you're a 1% chance of stopping and saving a try? Mm. Or do you want to let him through? Because yeah. that's what you need to do to be an NRL player. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's like what was so commendable uh, as part of Reese Walsh's game this year that I felt improved a lot is that he was willing to put his body in front of the line. I think it's what's been so commendable with Caelan Ponga pretty much from the get-go. He's always been willing to put his body in front. Now, sometimes his defence lapsed early on in his career, but he's gotten so much better at it. Teddy's gotten better at it. Gutho, like all, like that defensive uh, position at a fullback, it's a tough position. And not just tough as in put your body in front, just getting your body in the right position yeah. in these one-on-one -on -one situations. Well, you used Tedesco's example, and I just mentioned, you know, when Tyrus Lane next is one-on-one with Mike Acevo, James Tedesco tried to stop Mike Acevo once and got knocked out and didn't yep. come. Exactly. He had a crack. He had a crack. And, you know, some people online talk shit about it, but the majority, the silent majority, go, he had a fucking deal. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, Tim's sitting there saying, yeah, put your body in front of Mike Acevo, Steam like, well, I'm not an NRL player and never will be. Yeah. So yep. that's what Tyrell needs to do. Not with that attitude, mate. No. <laughs> yeah, still time, still time. Um, <laughs> now, uh, also, Bulldogs have met with Jerome Luai. Uh, look, I get it from, and they've just met to see whether he's open to leaving uh, the Penrith Panthers. I don't know if this is the right fit for him uh, because I know there's been chat around Burton moving back to the centres. I just wonder how their salary cap would be balanced with a guy like Critter, who may or may not work at fullback, but we know he's at cent we know he's a good centre. Like, if put it this way, the salary cap, if Burton and Critter end up in the centres, now that that's an incredible fucking centre pairing, like unbelievable centre pairing. But I'm assuming they're both on pretty big wicket. Mm. So I don't know how the, the salary cap would balance out that way. Um, what do you guys think about Bulldogs with Jerome Luai? I don't think so. I agree with you, mate. I think Burton, you know, they've addressed him as their guy moving forward, and I still think he is their guy. Yeah, I, um, I mean, if you expected Burton to arrive at Canterbury after 30 first-grade games... <laughs> He's still so young. ...to turn a team that was coming dead last year in, year out, or around straight away... I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Like you got to like he's a five eight. Somebody want to argue that he's best position center. They had him playing halfback last year. That was crazy. That was wild. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that Toby Sexton is going to be the guy at Canterbury. And I thought that he was he had a very positive impact on them next like last year. But I would be I'd just be going all in on Matty Burton. He's he's also just what Canterbury's about. He's, He's got a bit of shit in him. Mm. When Canterbury's at their best, they've got cocky guys like Matt Burton going about their business. I just think that, like, you're telling me you can't turn him into a good six? Fuck. Like, he's got – he's still so young. He's got everything you need to be a big, good ball-running six. I don't understand – I don't get the, the – the, um, look, I understand it because he's so good at centre. But it's like – I, 
are you not seeing what I'm seeing? I feel like he's he can be a good six. Now I'm not saying he will end up being one of the better sixes in the competition, but he has all the ingredients. Yeah. All the ingredients to be a good quality six. Just give him a bit of time there in a good squad. Timmy, what do you reckon, man? Oh, same as you boys. My mind when I saw this news it wasn't even about Luai. I just went straight to Matty Burton. Mm. Because if Luai signs with them, well, they're fully serious about the Burton to centre move, which is fine, but I don't think long term you're probably going to persist with Burton and Luai in the halves because they're two out and out five eights. Mm. We've seen Luai, you know, at the World Cup, we spoke about it recently, but he, you know, he, he can play seven, but his best foot is at number six. You know, the combination there with Viliami Kikau, if Luai rocked up, that'd be outstanding. It could work, but as I said, it's pushing Burton to centre. And you've already touched on it, but Burton is not a seven. He doesn't talk enough on field. Apparently, he's very quiet. And it's easy to say you can get this confidence and you can get the chat into players out there, but it's not that easy. It's Some people that, just don't have it in them. Yeah. Um, and, and that's fine. Yeah, and that's fine. He can be a, a really, he can be a great number six. It obviously means he needs the right number seven with him to talk. But if Luai is to end up there, I, I just I think it's putting Bird into centre where I just think he's wasted um, w- with what he's capable of. Mm. Yeah, I think as well, like, Give Sexton a crack. He's still yeah. young as well. I don't, I don't see why he can't work out. I really don't. And like Sexton came into that side halfway through the season. Like didn't have a pre-season or anything with him. Like it's tough as a halfback to come in mid-season. And I thought he did really well. And apparently, apparently he came straight in. I know the dog, you know, didn't necessarily finish the season on fire when, Bert, uh, when Sexton came in. But it was also the end of the year. That tie would have. Like you're not going to change things straight away. But yeah. Sexton on all reports is a talker. Mm. And he rocked up at the club and he had ideas and he'd chat to Seraldo and say, what about this, this and this? Mm. That is what Burton needs. So let, give that combination some time to flourish because yeah. it could be something special. Agreed. And also it's not going to – like Burton eventually maybe breaks the bank, but Sexton, Burton, Marnie and Critter, they're not breaking, breaking the bank. Mm. You know, like Critter right now is not on a million dollars. Burton definitely isn't. Sexton isn't. Marnie isn't close. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you've got this spine that's quite it, – it's a building – it's a quite a good building spine. And also, if Burton does become the player, you know he can. And if Critter does as well, you've got a, a, a spine in four or five years that maybe could challenge for top four. I'll tell you the other one too. Like, I know people probably aren't looking at him as a halfback, but they could do much worse than having Hutcho at halfback. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Fucking oath. Um, we saw what he did with the Roosters at the end of the year. Very unlucky to get dropped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Luai at Bulldogs. I just don't know. I don't know if it works positionally, but also don't know if it works salary cap wise long term for them, because the risk of ending up with Critter and Burton in the centres. I just don't think they're a club that can afford that because yep. they're not challenging for premierships, so they're not owners. You can't have both your centres as highest paid players. Yeah, for sure. And I, I see that in the comments all the time. People saying, "Oh, these guys aren't playing their best positions. Just play them at centre." I'm like. Like, if you've got a gun centre, that's the icing on the cake. If you don't have the fucking cake, what's yeah, the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. They, they are not if, – if they sign with, you know, the Broncos or with the Panthers, sure, play them in at centre, their absolute best position potentially. But you can't agree. You, you need to get off the bottom of the ladder. You need your stars having as much ball as they possibly can. Straight icing will make you sick. <laughs> that's it. We've always said it. <laughs> um, Cody Nikarima. Uh, Nicodema has says he's putting his hand up to play six this year. Eleven of his twenty-one games last year were um, uh, at six, with the rest being a fullback, centre, or bench. Uh, so this would mean it would be Sullivan and Nicodema if he gets that spot. What do you reckon, boys? I 
I'm just not convinced on him defensively mm. in the front line. I love Nick Ream as a footballer. I thought he was awesome at fullback last year and he had a bunch of good moments in the halves. I love that he's put his hand up and said, I want the sixth spot. And I think he's capable of it, but he's very small. He's a very easy target for the opposition to go out in attack. Mm. I think he's too small to defend in the front line. Okay. See, I, I think 80 minutes of it on an edge, it's a bit tough. I think he's a good 14. I really like him I do too. 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can do it in, in periods, yeah. but yeah. not 80 minutes. Yeah, 80 minutes is a bit tough because you just get spotted mm. up. Whereas if you come on the field for 20 minutes on either side of the half or where, whenever, you know, you can just get through it. Mm. You can just get through it. And also the reads aren't as tough because you've got blokes around you. Uh, you're, also, I, you're not as fatigued. Like it just absolutely. I like it. I think he's, in today's modern game, a really good 14. Like He's the really 14 that gives you nightmares. He's the last yeah. player you want to see come on the field. Absolutely. Um, and look, obviously he wants to start. That's what you want your players to. But like the fact that he killed it at fullback, like that just adds extra weight to him being a 14. Like if, if the Dolphins are to make the eight next year, I can see him being one of the best utilities in the competition. Mm. Yep. Especially sure. with like... <laughs> HIAs more than anything, with how easily people go off due to HIAs and you have to bring on this utility, he probably plays a lot of games, not a lot of games, but if he's 14, he probably ends up playing a lot of minutes throughout the year anyways at 14 and gets his opportunities at fullback or in the halves or wherever it might be. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, Now, 2024 is the last year of Angus Crichton's contract. No deal has been done, reportedly. Very interesting, Angus Crichton, at the moment. What what do you reckon is going on there? Do you reckon... Does no, you know, no one talking about it? Does that mean the Roosters have got him? Well, I think the Roosters, like even Joey Manu as well, is currently mm. on the market. But it's like the Roosters only deal with player managers that don't put shit in the media. I know that the rugby union stuff came out, but outside of that, geez, don't they keep it squeaky clean? You don't hear anything. Mm. And the player managers probably know it's in their best interest to keep it. Yeah, squeaky. just keep it all quiet. Yeah. Um, it's going to be. Uh, uh, where do you reckon a guy like Angus Crichton can end up? Because he's one of the, on his day one of the best backrows on the comp. And you mentioned Guru. I think last week we were speaking about it when they re-signed a few backrows in Tupanu, and you're like, "Geez, they've got a lot of backrowers." Mm. Like I, I thought Satelli would be leaving for sure, mm. I, especially when he got all those injuries. It was really bad timing, but that's the reality. The NRL it's cutthroat, and mm. by that point, I knew Wong had come along and he'd impress. I, like I don't know how they fit them all in and. I, I was really shocked when um, Satilli re-signed the other day because it made me straight away go, well, where does Angus fit in? Here? Yeah, what is he? Is he going to play middle or... Yeah, as I said... It reeks of rugby. You reckon he'll end there? I, I don't know, but I'm just saying. Like, yeah. the, the World Cup coming up, they're looking for this marquee signing and Crichton. And from a Roosters perspective, like, when Crichton came back mid-season, it was one of the goodwill, good stories of rugby league this season. He didn't come back the same footballer as the World Cup the year prior. Mm. Whether or not he can rediscover that form, I don't know. Mm. Uh, you know, if he comes back for pre-season, that'll obviously be quite telling, but, you know, he's on a pretty good wicket there. Mm. So if he replicates what he did the back end of last year, well, he won't be worth that money, but at his best, as you said, Kempi, he's a kangaroo starting edge back rower. Yeah, so, a bloody good one. Uh, mm. Was he not off to rugby and then... Well, they he, pulled it, that it was off. all reportedly, yeah, yeah. and he said, she said, and yeah, uh, yeah. we never offered this, and we did... Um, I'm not sure. But if he finds his form and he does end up in union, he was a gun union player. Like, tore that. If you go back and watch his highlights at school. Yeah, Scott's boy. Like, tore it apart. Tore it apart. Um, 
Yeah, so interesting. Now, Joey Manu. Really, like, what I'm so surprised about this is you just, you'd think there'd be at least five or six other clubs clamouring to get a, a piece of Joey Manu. And maybe that is the case and his player manager is just being really respectful, respectful for the Roosters. But I'm just I'm a bit surprised that, A, he hasn't been re-signed. Um, like, think about that. Joey Manu hasn't been re-signed. And, B, we're hearing no – the only noise we heard was from Dragons because Flanagan came out and said something. Outside of that, we're hearing no noise. We're the only Manu. ones talking about it. Yeah. Ever. It's wild. It's Joey Manu, golden boot winner, one of the best outside backs in the competition, bar none. Once again, Roosters. Just, it's, mate, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. But that's, that's the thing, though. Like, that's what's surprising is, for sure, once again, the Roosters. Mm. But why haven't they re-signed him yet, then? It's, it's interesting because, like, all the chat is with Joey Marta and, like, what he could command at fullback here all the time. And while he's off contract or, you know, up, can negotiate, we're going to keep hearing these storylines around it. I have been vocal that I wouldn't pay him fullback money because I don't think he's a fullback. I think he's a centre. But I'm also very surprised there's not an NRL club out there willing to pay him fullback money. So, mate, come across, play fullback, we'll give you a million. Mm. Yeah, because I just think that although I would play him at centre, there are clubs that will be better sides and need to spend the money anyway for a fullback. So it's like, look, okay, maybe he's not at the moment. He probably could work on his ball playing or whatever. But we're going to be in a better position and we don't get to keep that money from two... You know, if we don't spend the money, we don't get to keep it for next year. Yeah. Love That's one surprise. Love at the Dragons. I, I think he'd be great at the Dragons. I really do. At fullback there, I really think he yeah, would help. Even there, again, don't think he's fullback, but what he would bring to them, just 25 tough carries a yeah. game. He'd be rock solid defensively. A bit of spark. Yeah, a bit of... Yeah. Like churn the ruck up a little bit to give yeah. the boys a bit of space to move in. Yeah, he'd... Oh, I think he'd be a great fit there. While you're tailgating, Flano came out and said he'd be keen, didn't he? He did, but that's the thing. We haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. That's what's so surprising. So, yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of Union, well, we're just speaking of Angus Crichton, but Union. So, Rugby Australia has taken another step in its bid to make the game safer and acting a two-year below the sternum uh, tackle trial for That'll community rugby. That'll be easy police. Yeah, heaps easy. Like, you know, you won't put your bumper bars up or anything to bump someone. Like, if I put my bumper bars up and it hits me... Boom. Penalty. Penalty. Uh, more penalties. You Rugby probably. Australia. Yeah, yeah, that'll make the game more enjoyable. <laughs> uh, current legal tackle height is below the shoulder. It's pretty common. Uh, Rugby Australia on Friday announced the trial, which will extend to all forms of the game below Super Rugby level, including Premier Grade, Shoot Shield and Hospital Cup, school and club competitions and their associated pathways that commence after February 14th next year. Trials of lower tackling heights have already taken place in France, England, New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland, Wales, Scotland. Preliminary data from a similar trial in South Africa has shown a 30% reduction in concussions, uh, while France recorded a 64% reduction in head-on-head contact, uh, as well as a 14% increase in participation on pre-COVID levels. Um, Yeah, so... I would love to see those studies because you would, and no, it's just an assumption, but you would kind of feel like they're going into that studies with a a bias already looking for... How do we make these numbers work? Exactly. Because if you, those people are doing those studies, I'm assuming it, if they came out and said, oh shit, doesn't make the game safer. Because uh, like I've read reports saying that most uh, knockouts are actually from tackling people rather than from running, running the ball. Um, so the people defending. So, yeah, I'd love to read that. And look, if that's the, the truth, then that's great or whatever. Uh, look, I, I think this is... 
I, I just don't know how this helps the game in Australia specifically. I can't speak for the rest of the world. I know the argument, union's bigger in the world or whatever, but union in the world doesn't compete against league. The current environment in Rugby Australia, you are competing against league. Maybe it'll get more participation, but I don't know, man. I, I don't think that this is going to end well for Rugby Australia. Now, could this be the nail in the coffin or is it the coffin already got a nail in it? I don't know. Uh, you never have too many nails in the coffin, though. True, yeah. true. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be so hard to police. I just think we need to get to a point where, yes, we should 100% care about player safety. Yes, we should do what we can whenever there's a knockout, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, at some point, you have to accept that you are going to get head knocks whilst playing a contact sport. Yeah, I always come back to what James Graham said a few months ago. I think it's perfect that, you know, some sports aren't for everyone. Mm. League definitely isn't, and, you know, I'm not a union guy, but it looks to me like union isn't either. So it said, so 64% reduction in head-to-head contact. Well, obviously, that's, you know, that that little line there is like, almost sounds like you're intentionally just using that stat. Mm. You you made a good point there, Kempi. Firstly, spare a thought for referees Australia-wide, because they're in for a shit year. (laughs) Shit two years. The point you made, Kempi, and there'd, there'd be some data around this, I'm sure, but the nature of the concussions in the game, the way when I think of the top of my head, I think of concussions and where they'll come from. It's blokes tackling low and getting the head in the wrong spot and getting hips or knees or whatever the head. And I feel like that accounts for so many of the concussions. Mm. So just force him to go lower, does it reduce the concussions? Maybe it does. I'm just speaking out loud, but thinking out loud. I'm not convinced. And like you, you know, we know why they're doing it. We have this conversation time and time again. They're thinking about the future of the game. They're thinking about, you know, the, the lawsuits that are going to come down the track for concussion and, and all the impact it's had um, in the game. And they're trying to, to secure it long term. Mm. But far out, it's, I'm not convinced either. Like, put it this way. You're a 15, 16-year-old Aussie boy, and I can only speak about all girl, and I can only speak about Australia, as I said, because they have a unique situation where they're competing with league. And, like, you just want to go out there and hit blokes or chicks. You know what I mean? Like, you just want to go out there and fucking rip in. What game are you going to play? You're going to play... Like, I think... I, I feel like sometimes we forget... Players play league because they love the contact. <laughs> you know, we, we pretend like it's just all about skill set and, and whatever, but... A lot of young teenage boys and girls, they just want to get in there and rip and tear. Um, and I, I, I'm assuming rugby union would be, would be the same. I just don't know how this is going to help them when they're competing against such a an exciting prospect of um, league. I, I, I would imagine it's almost entirely a business decision and thinking about the game long term. And it is even, I know this sounds hyperbolic, but is it going to be around in 10, 20 years to get sued? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm, being being a dick. I'm not being a dick I'm not being a dick You know like obviously the local games will probably be there But will the Super Rugby be around in Australia in 10 to 20 years At the moment I couldn't tell you the last time I watched I don't yeah. interest in a If you know. told me it wasn't around anymore I'd oh, Okay yeah sure And so yeah I've got diehard union mates who, who loved it growing up And for a long time and played it throughout all their, their childhood And even through teens and that and they, they're the same. Like, mm. you know, we're probably bad examples, but they don't watch it or know there's games. Also. So there, that's the marker. Mm. And like, for example, it says, um, South Africa has shown a 30% reduction in concussions. Yep, sweet. 
Um, France uh, as a 14% increase in participation. I would love to see where was the, uh, particip- uh, the participation increase. Was it in the younger years where even league is, is, is not, you don't have to tackle when you're younger? Mm. Or was it in the teenage years where these rules were implemented? You know, like there's so many different ways that you yeah. could splice these numbers to make it sound positive. Yeah. Quick tinfoil hat here. Any Kempi's oh, excited. Well, is um, <laughs> would the fact that France was hosting a Rugby World Cup have had anything to do with their participation increase anyway? That, exactly. <laughs> got anything to do with the exactly banning under the sternum? Exactly. It's just like Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> but you're exactly right like there are ways to make these certain things like i remember a couple of years ago remember when like they said uh i don't know it was like concussions or, or head highs were down x percent or something but then when you looked into it it was like yeah it's because people get sent in the friggin bin every two yeah. seconds um of course they're down it was some kind of way that we even we as a game were like manipulating numbers to make yeah, look out. Well, wasn't that there was a, like a different example, but I remember them claiming that there was less penalties in rugby league. It's like, sure, half of them are six against now. Yeah, that's that's, that's another one. So yeah. I'm saying like yeah. 75% of Guru's statements between the 17th and 21st <laughs> minute of the podcast are credible. You can swing anything anyway. You, you can want swing it. anything anyway. Overs. Overs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and look, that's not to say, look, I could be absolutely wrong and the study is an independent study and it proves that, um, but... I just don't see how, like, we don't have to worry about, I'm, I'm assuming anyway, like, because, like, even league at the moment, we're younger, they don't tackle. They they do touch or something like that, yeah. and then they teach them to tackle, and then it's not till they, what was it, 10 or 11? Where they Depends start where tackle. you are, but yeah. 10 or 11. Lines, yeah. So, like, I don't think rule changes to Q Cup or New South Wales Cup would affect a mum or a dad going... Oh, okay. So they, you guys tackle below the sternum. All right, I'm going to put my kids in. It's the rules that are when they're seven, eight, nine, ten years old that affects whether they're allowed to play. I'd assume. Mm. Another one that I always look to, and, and I might be biased because I enjoy it, but like UFC has exploded. MMA has exploded as a sport, um, fastest growing sport in the world, and it's literally based on. I know there's technique and stuff, and but like knocking people out. So there is still an appetite for people, even though they know they're going into something damaging their brain, they're yeah. still going to do it. A lot of contact above the sternum in UFC. Yeah, a lot. Funny. I'd love Jeez. to see the contract like boxers in, in UFC, MMA fighters sign before they go <laughs> in about like, yes, we know we're signing our life. Yes, we know we're getting CTs. Like, it's cool. Mate. That would actually, what they do is I think they're private contractors. So they like, they don't actually, they're not actually employed full time by the UFC. They're right. considered like, contracting themselves oh, out okay. to the UFC. Um, but yeah, look, interesting. Look, if, if it makes the game safer and that makes the game bigger and better, well done to rugby. Well done. But I, I think that we're really straddling this line between just not accepting that doesn't matter how many times you change the rules in union, there will be concussions. We've spoken about it in the World Cup. What about scrums? Do you reckon you're not getting concussed every time you've got thousands of pounds or kilos behind you going head to head against each other and i know they obviously go to each other's shoulder it's still massive contact around the head whiplash as well cauliflower ear <laughs> list goes on mate we need to introduce some rules to get rid of cauliflower ear. correct because that is a plight on yeah, humanity it is <laughs> um so it'd be interesting to see what happens there but geez that's going to be hard to police 
And, and and people go, oh, maybe you'll come into league. It just couldn't because if you were tackling below the sternum, you'd just be offloads every friggin' second. If that came into league, the game, the rules of the game are changing dramatically to account for it. It would be almost touch footy. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder how. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Interesting to see how they go. Because, like, you know, even if this is wildly successful, which I don't know if it will be, but let's say it is. <laughs> Tell me in 15 years they're not going to want the game to be safer yeah. again. It's just – Like, at what point do you end? stop? Yeah. yeah. It's true. Because then you, you'll get used to the amount of concussions you have now, which is better than what it was five years ago. Mm. But in 10 years' time, when you've got that amount of concussions, that's going to become the normal. Are we not going to want less? Yeah. It's, it's a great point because we're viewing the game from safety and it's like, this isn't a safe game. Yeah. Like let's let's try to make it safe, but at what point? Like okay, so the argument here is is let's make it safer so more people play it. You know, else, you know what else makes people play the game? Hectic game watching every single weekend. Like right now, think about how many young kids watch the NRL and go, "This is the best!" Like I want to be Nathan Cleary. I want to be Reese Wild. Like the product is so good, it's so exciting. Um, that's the biggest seller of the game. It really is. Not mum and dad going, "Ooh, what a and and." I'm not saying that's not a real thing we have to worry about. Like, even me as a parent, if my kid was going to play league, I would want to make sure that everything is in place so that, he, you know, they're taken care of. But at the end of the day, he's going to get to an age where he makes his own decision. Like, I'm not going to stop him forever. I remember even when I was coming to league, my mum was like, oh, I don't want him to get... She even said to the Bronco scout, she's like, he'll come only if you promise him one thing, he doesn't get tackled. And I was like, sick joke, mum. <laughs> sick joke. Um... <laughs> So, yeah. You didn't get tackled much, to be fair. Didn't do much tackling, that's for sure. <laughs> didn't do much tackling. Trust me, Mum, it'll be okay. <laughs> um, you know you know what, Tammy? It hurts. I actually did play NRL. I'm getting shit put on me. <laughs> I was trying to give you a compliment. Jeez, I couldn't catch you. Timmy yeah. coming down on me saying <laughs> I can't. You're so good you even had your own column on NRL Grid the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so don't you listen to him, mate. <laughs> Um, all right, that's us done and dusted. Don't forget, 6 p.m. tonight, Guru Hats, 6 p.m. tonight. Also, some bloke shirts and singlets uh, are dropping. Anything going on, boys? 7 p.m. Thursday, Big Bash. 7 p.m. Thursday, Big Bash. SC Playbook Cricket, mate. SC Playbook Cricket. Big Bash starts Thursday. I said, big week, so get on and, and follow the channels or you're missing out. At SC Playbook Cricket on Instagram, Facebook. Everywhere, mate. Everywhere. Every, every social media channel out there, SC Playbook Rumble, Cricket is on. Rumble, kick, Snapchat. Grind. grind. Grinder? Grind. All of the above. Grind's a cafe. <laughs> um, uh, Bumble? Tinder? Can you start a page on Tinder, you reckon, boys? Like Interesting. A, like for your podcast. Interesting. Like, could you – I'm trying to think, like, maybe you have NRL players and see which ones get swiped on the most and that's how you could <laughs> give them rugby league content. This and then be, you produce the – could be the start of something beautiful. Yeah, Tinder – Tinder bloke in a bar profile. <laughs> and it's just different poses of me in different kit. <laughs> Super like. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, we are done and dusted. It's a deficit off season, guys. As usual, we're all going fuck ourselves. Thank you. Imagine what you could be buying instead. For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website.